everybody. Welcome to another episode of Nostalgia and Now with Laguna Biatch. As always, it is your host, Kelly. We have Troy from the Dunzo podcast, and we go into a lot of different celebrity stuff. We talk about Free Britney. We talk about Hayden Panettiere. We talk about Lindsay Lohan. We talk about celebrities that we think deserve more respect. It is so much fun. I had so much fun with him. So that is at the end of the episode. I want to apologize ahead of time. You may hear like a slight hum in the background. Typically, I try and shut my heat off when I'm recording, but it is cold here in Nashville. I feel like it's cold around the country for the most part right now. Um, It is only 25 degrees, and it's funny because I was talking to my family, telling them how it's cold down here, and they're like, you're from Massachusetts. You should be fine. I'm like, listen, it does not matter where I am. If it is 25 degrees, I am going to be cold. I also wanted to take a second. A lot of you reached out to talk to me about my mom, ask how she's doing, ask how I'm doing, and I haven't heard from her, unfortunately, but from what I've heard, I know she's spoken to my stepdad, and she's been doing really well, so again, I appreciate you guys for asking, kind of checking in, and also for sharing your stories with me. I know it's not easy to talk about, but Yeah, so with that, I'm trying to think if there's any other like housekeeping stuff, but nothing that I can really think of. It's kind of just like a really quick intro. (laughs) And again, I apologize if you do hear a slight humming in the background. I am a little baby when it comes to the cold. So now we are getting right into TRL where it is not live and there are no requests. I know it's cold in a lot of parts of the country, so these Netflix shows, maybe they'll be able to keep you occupied while you're hanging out inside. At number 10, there's Coco Melon. At number 9, Squared Love. 8, Bridgerton. 7, Red Dot. 6, The Sinner. 5, War Dogs. And I've actually seen this movie. It is so good. I really, really like it. It has Jonah Hill and Miles Teller in it. Number 4 is iCarly. Number 3 is Firefly Lane. Number two is To All the Boys, Always and Forever, and I'm definitely going to watch that. One thing I really like about that movie, I don't remember any of their names. I think the boy's name is Peter, but they don't like over-sexualize the teenage relationship, and I feel like that's something we've seen in a lot of movies throughout all the years, but this one, it just, it doesn't do that, and that's something I actually really like about this trilogy. And then number one is Vanishing at Cecil Hotel. And that is something I want to watch, but I also get very scared very easily, so it's definitely not for me. Now, onto the iTunes charts. At number 10, we have Fake Woke by Tom McDonald. Number nine is Redemption by Nathaniel Radcliffe. Number eight is No Diggity by Blackstreet. Number seven is Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. Number six is Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. That song is still holding on. Number five is Rise Up by Audra Day. Number four is Up by Cardi B. Number three is Anyone by Justin Bieber. Number two is Cover Me in Sunshine by Pink and her daughter Willow Sage. And then number one is Love Story, Taylor Swift's version. And we will definitely talk about all the Taylor Swift stuff in the brunch section. So this week I decided to do my top 11 favorite songs. These are songs you will probably never see on like bop or flop just because I don't want them to be voted flops and it would hurt me like I would take it too personal. I think maybe two of these have been actually on bop or flop. I may be able to put another one on because I know it would be a bop, but I don't know. I take my music like very personally and make it very personal and I feel like a lot of people do that with songs that they love. 
So I am going to do my top 11 songs. I hope you guys enjoy them. They're in no particular order, really. But these are songs like when they come on, I need to listen. I need to sing. So The Tide by The Spill Canvas. Yeah by Usher. Anything Usher, really. But Yeah specifically is probably my favorite song by him and Burn. But I'm going to put Yeah over Burn. That's the Way It Is by Celine Dion. Mona Lisa's in Mad Hatters by Elton John. Vienna by Billy Joel. Move You by Kelly Clarkson. Iris by Goo Goo Dolls. Bright Lights by Matchbox 20. Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. All Too Well by Taylor Swift. And Hear You Me by Jimmy Eat World. So those are like my top, top songs. Songs that you'll likely never see on Bop or Flop because I cannot handle anybody flopping any of these songs. <laughs> and I was actually going to do like romant- romantic songs because I'm recording this on Valentine's Day. But I thought those 11, you guys, if you haven't listened to some of those, I highly recommend it. They're very great songs. And I know I'm just saying that because I like these songs. But but those are the songs that like if I'm in a bad mood, if I need to focus, if I need to do something like Fast Car by Tracy Chapman really does calm me down. Move You by Kelly Clarkson makes me want to cry. The Tide by Spill Canvas is really long, but the story it tells is incredible. So yeah, those are my top 11 songs. Maybe we have some of the same favorite songs. That'd be pretty cool. So before I get into the episode of The Hills, I just want to take one second because Heidi actually went on her story. A lot of people were DMing me asking me if they thought Heidi was pregnant. And I try not to comment on stuff like that just because we are in like a weird quarantine world still. And a lot of people have gained weight, me being one of those people. And I actually saw on her story, she posted something and she was like, no, I'm not pregnant. I'm just overweight. And that really, really like broke my heart for Heidi. I know that I can be hard on Heidi with like her personality and things like that. But that really made me sad for her. Um, I know her and Spencer have been trying. She's been very vocal about that. But Heidi's not pregnant right now. And I think we all need to just give everybody a little more grace with how our bodies look at this time. Because what the fuck is happening? That's all I can say to that. But I just kind of wanted to comment on that. And now we are going to get into the episode of The Hills. Season 4, episode 3. It is called Better Off as Friends. And honestly, I kind of felt like this episode was more of a filler episode than anything. I always feel like the first two episodes of a season, a lot of drama happens and then like two or three episodes go by and they're a little bit slower. And this is definitely one of those episodes that's a little bit slower. So previously on the Hills, after Spidey crashed Steph's birthday, Lauren isn't sure if she will stay close with Stephanie. She doesn't trust Stephanie fully. We are reminded that Whitney got a promotion and Lauren says, I was trying to rekindle an old flame from Laguna, but I was starting to realize the spark wasn't there. The episode starts off at People's Revolution, and it starts with Whitney saying, I'm going to New York tomorrow. And Lauren's shocked because of how fast she's kind of moving with this job, with her promotion, of course. And Whitney doesn't even know how long she's going to be there for. And all Lauren says is, pack a lot of black. Because remember, when you work for Kelly Catrone, you're only allowed to wear black. Like, that is her thing. She wants you to wear black outfits at all times. And Whitney kind of nods her head. She's like, yeah, well, what about Doug? What's going on with Doug? And Lauren says there are no juicy details. And Lauren is already kind of over it. You can't force things like that, is Whitney's advice to her. And Lauren says, I just remember liking him a lot more when we were younger. And Lauren then compares it to Brody because, of course, she hasn't liked anyone since Brody. And Doug doesn't make her excited the way Brody was making her excited. But then Lauren's like, I don't want to end it. I'm going to feel bad. Getting dumped sucks. 
And Whitney just kind of is like, just say like the timing's off. Just say it's nothing against him. It's nothing personal. The timing isn't working. And Lauren just goes, how would you like to be dumped? And I'm kind of like, damn, that's rough, but true. She is going to have to dump Doug. And Whitney did try and give her some advice. But Whitney at this point, I think Whitney at this point is like, listen, I am trying to get a spinoff show. I am trying to make my mark in New York. And your chats with me are really dragging me down. Maybe not exactly like that. But I think at this point, Whitney definitely knew that she was going to get her own show and she was kind of overplaying sidekick to Lauren. And I don't know if I can if I can blame her for that. The next scene, we're at Fitum. And I typically don't look at like fashion on this show. I know a lot of people love early 2000s fashion. I'm just, fashion is not anything that has ever really stuck out to me. I guess hairstyles would like stick out more to me than fashion would. But I did notice that Lauren shows up in a very casual outfit. It's just like, jeans, a striped cardigan, a gray sweat, I mean a gray t-shirt and I absolutely love that look and then I loved Stephanie was wearing white pants with like a blue slash teal top. They both just looked fantastic in it and I feel like on the hills we get a lot of indoor shots, right? We get a lot of them at work or at a house or at a restaurant and it's kind of nice to have like natural lighting. But Lauren and Steph meet up in the courtyard and... Steph says, Spencer's disowning me for inviting you to my party, but right now it's okay because he's out of sight, out of mind. And Lauren feels bad that Steph is stuck in the middle. And Steph quickly says, I was totally worried I was going to lose you as a friend. Well, I think you've made a really big effort on both sides and I'd like us to stay friends. And then Steph just goes, you're such a good friend. (laughs) The conversation is definitely a rough one. It's definitely a rough conversation to listen to. The conversation is definitely a rough one. It's definitely a short one. I do think at some point Stephanie brought up Doug too. I did not write that down in my notes, but I'm pretty sure she asked how things with Doug were and Lauren was kind of like, oh, they're not going well. And Steph's like, I'm sorry to hear that. But what, in like two episodes, she ends up hooking up with Doug or goes on a weird fake date with Doug. After the Fitum moment, we are in New York City and we have some weird non-royalty music, but we do get a shot of busy New York City. It's definitely a different vibe for sure than what we would get with like our LA kind of um, shots that we would see. But Whitney ends up meeting with Kelly and this conversation cracks me up. Like half the time, I think Kelly just wanted to fuck with Whitney. I think that Kelly thought it was funny to mess with Whitney. And she goes, hey, what took you so long? And Whitney looks like shocked. She kind of gives her a look and she goes, nothing. I I came right here from my fight. Was there traffic? Oh, no, I, I just I came right from my fight. Where are your bags? Getting dropped off at the hotel. And then Kelly just goes, sorry, I'm crazed. There's a casting upstairs and we want you to help with styling the models. And what does Kelly say? She says, tell the boys to take their shirts off and drop their pants. They're cute. They're young. They're in New York. (laughs) I don't know what it is. I love Kelly Catrone a lot, especially now that I'm older. I really, really enjoy her on the show. So we then get a mini male model montage. We see these like 21 year olds with their shirts off walking around. And Whitney starts pulling items right away. She's thrown right into it. And a cute male model named Alex shows up and starts asking questions. He went to USC too. And Kelly makes fun of him for being a frat boy. So basically leading up to that, he says he went to USC. Whitney says, I went to USC. And he was like, oh, what house were you? And she said she wasn't a part of any um, sorority. So then Kelly makes fun of him. And it's kind of funny because moving to the South, I realized how big like fraternities and sororities are 
where I'm from, or I don't know if other um, schools in Massachusetts really had them, but none of my friends were in like sororities or fraternities or anything like that. I don't even think my school had that. It's just, it's funny to see how different parts of the country have different, different, um, I don't know, things like that. Obviously, there's a lot of different things when it comes to different parts of the country. But I always think about frats and sororities because they're not big in Massachusetts that I know of, at least. But most people I know or have met in the South have been a part of either a frat or a sorority. So we spend a lot of time with Alex and Kelly invites him to have drinks. And Whitney is very embarrassed. Right away, Kelly just goes, don't act embarrassed. This is going to be great. And I think Kelly and Whitney may be my favorite duo. So maybe I do need to like dive into the city and really watch it. If Kelly Catrone is a part of the city, I'm not 100% sure. But I really like the Whitney and Kelly dynamic. I can't lie. So we're back in LA and Spidey pull up to Cut. It's a restaurant called Cut. And they're both looking great. Um, Spencer is wearing a suit. Heidi is wearing a dress. They look fantastic. And they sit at the table. Heidi's like, I've wanted to come here for so long. And Spencer says, I feel like we haven't been together in years. You kept inviting Holly everywhere. It was so fun, Heidi says. And then Spencer responds by saying, I regret not throwing Stephanie's cake in Elsie's face. Heidi says, stop. So I again, I think with Heidi, she doesn't mind kind of trashing Lauren, but she doesn't want to go too far with it, right? She doesn't want to say too much stuff, like just enough to let Spencer know like, hey, I don't like her either but not too much. Spencer then says that Lauren and Steph became friends just to piss him off. That's the only reason that Steph wanted to be friends with her, and that's the only reason why Lauren wanted to be friends with Steph. Spencer, that's your sister. I really think it's time you make an effort with her and make everything fine with her. The day I'm friends with Stephanie again is the day I'm friends with Lauren Conrad. In the way Spencer delivers that line, he has like so much venom in his voice. It is such a little haunting line to hear. And then Heidi says that she really misses hanging out with Steph. And Spencer's response is, go hang out with her and Lauren then. She says, maybe I will. Because again, Heidi did have a little bit of attitude. Like she did have some spunk in her and she was very much, she would stand up for herself against Spencer to a point, I always thought. Or at least in like these seasons. Maybe not so much like later this season or season five. And I'm pretty sure they're kicked off the show by middle of season six. I could be wrong though. But after she says that, Spencer quickly says, don't come home to me then. And Heidi doesn't respond. It's just editing with her kind of looking pissed, looking off into the distance. And Spencer looks at her and goes, time to go home and cuddle. And again, Heidi looks less than thrilled about this. The next scene, we are at Sushi Roku. And remember, on the hills, they eat sushi at least 20 times a week or so it seems, right? They eat a lot of sushi on this show. I'm pretty sure this is this show is what made me try sushi to begin with. But Lauren ends up meeting with Brody. And when she arrives, he's like, you're late, you're late. And she's like, yeah, I know, I'm sorry. No hugs. There is no hug. He does not ask for a hug. But she sits down. He goes, what are, uh, what are all these little, uh, what are all these little bracelet things we have here? And what Lauren says about this, I'm like, ew. She goes, these are my sparklies and these are my friendships. I don't know why that line, I feel like Katy Perry would say something like that during her like um, firework days or something. The way I was, when she said that, I was like, Lauren, stop it. But he goes, oh, who's the, uh, who's the uh, friendship ones with? One's for my mama and the other is from Stephanie. And immediately Brody tells her Steph has ulterior motives. He's like, you don't have to believe me, but I could tell you things and you'd be like, whoa, I don't believe you. And then Brody says, 
Don't make me say I told you so like I have about all these other times. And Lauren's like, you haven't done anything. Like, you're not going to, I'm not going to say that. Blah, blah, blah. They're kind of flirting back and forth how Brody's always right. And then he's like, you know, with all those guys like Doug. And then we get a Lauren voiceover. And we know it's a voiceover because it is crystal clear. And it is like the shot is of the back of her head. So, like I said, they're filming in a restaurant, so the audio is not great. But this is, like, crystal clear. Again, back of her head so you don't see her saying this. And she says, well, you could be right about Doug. And then Lauren says she doesn't want to settle, and Brody laughs. He's like, what is your type? My type is someone who I've already dated. Lauren says, like, right back, and he kind of gives her a look. And then Brody says, you talking about us being naked later? And Lauren starts blushing, laughing. I hate you right now. And Brody's like, pretty funny though, right? That was a good joke. (laughs) And also last week, I said something about Brody's jawline, just because I was curious. And I spoke to someone who has had filters in their jaw, and they said, no, he's probably just lost a lot of weight. He just looks a lot thinner than usual. So when I asked about his jawline, like I said, I asked someone who has gotten that done and they said no. He's just healthier than he was when he was like 25, I guess, however old he was in this. So we are back in New York City and again, this scene is actually like pretty boring. I can't lie. The Whitney storyline when Kelly isn't involved, I guess, I'm not super interested in it. But we're at the Soho Grand Hotel and Alex shows up. And he and Whitney hug, and then he goes, did you book me? And then he goes, kidding, kidding, kitty, I'm just kidding. He says joking like 10 times, I'm not even lying. But Kelly calls Whitney and says, no one's coming. She's basically like, yeah, none of us are going to show up. We'll see you tomorrow. And Whitney looks mortified. So again, I don't know if this was scripted on Whitney's end, but it was definitely scripted on MTV's end. And Alex is very into Alex. He doesn't ask Whitney one thing. He just keeps talking about himself. Maybe he's nervous. I don't know. But he just looks at her and he's like, you want to go for a walk? And Whitney agrees. She's like, yeah, let's let's do that because she is not having fun. We are back in L.A. and we are at Stephanie's apartment. And this is when they talk about Doug. So not at the Fitum courtyard. That was my mistake. So Lauren shows up and the girls are sitting down, just kind of hanging out, chatting. And Steph jokes. She's like, that's where Spencer stayed when Lauren sat on the couch. And Lauren's like, ew, gross. And then Stephanie says, she's like, you know, I miss doing kickbacks, just hanging out at the house, like sleepover days. And I have to agree. I think those are some of the most fun. I don't really have sleepovers with my friends anymore, I guess. Only if we like go out and I need somewhere to stay. But I love hanging out at friends' houses and just having like a glass of Prosecco or four and hanging out and just like chatting, kind of like how we used to do it. I really, I wonder when sleepovers really stopped. I was trying to think about that and I feel like it was when we were like 19 or 20 and then it just became we're going out and we're going to sleep at someone's house just to be safe so no one has to drink and drive. But Lauren agrees that that sounds fun and they should do that more. And then Steph says one of the most underrated lines in the whole Hills franchise I'm going to play that audio clip in three, two, one. It's a little bit lonely. I've got to talk to the hamster a lot. But I thought it was a guinea pig. Hamsters are guinea pig. Guinea pigs are like big. Hamsters are like this big. She used to be a hamster. Now she's a guinea pig. I don't know why that is like one of the funniest things I've ever heard. And Lauren's reaction to it is so funny. I don't know. Maybe I do like Steph and Lauren as friends. I don't know. Steph grew on me as I'm rewatching. I'm like, oh, she's not as like awful as I remember her as. Just in my head, I think I disliked her so much because she was Spencer's sister. 
But that line is absolute gold and we do not give it enough appreciation. We all know that Lauren has had some incredible quotes throughout the whole series, but that is hysterical. Back in New York City, we are with Whitney and boring Alex and Whitney isn't sure about moving. You know, she's talking to him and she's like, I don't think I could move here. I mean, my family and my friends, I would miss them too much, which I think is a reason why a lot of people don't move. And I get that. You know, I made a big move. I know when I had Jeff on, he already knew he wanted to move to California. It's definitely a big commitment, especially to move across the whole country. I moved halfway across the country. But when she said that, I was like, I remember having that exact conversation. But Alex promises to help her make friends. He's like, well, you know me. When I moved here, I didn't know anybody, but you get to make friends. You meet a lot of different people. And I do like that Alex, and I actually wrote down Adam like three times, by the way, just because he made no impact on me. But I did like that Alex said, you walk out your door and meet five different people from five different walks of life. You'll never get that in California. I have not spent time in California. I don't know if that's true, but I know that's one thing I really like about Nashville in general, where I grew up, South Shore, Massachusetts. It's basically like a lot of Irish Catholic people. That is it. And I've met so many different people from so many different religions, backgrounds, races. Like, it's really incredible. I love meeting new people, and I'm just kind of rambling right now. I apologize. But in my opinion, I really like that he said that. I think it is important to move and meet new people and not just be surrounded by people you grew up with. But if you choose to do that too, like obviously that's your journey and that's incredible too. Whatever makes you happy. But he tells her to make the move. He's basically like, you should move here. I think it'll be good for you. Again, you know me. I will help you meet people. And they hug goodbye. Oh, one thing they also talk about is rain. Whitney's like, does it rain here? And he's like, yeah, when it gets humid in July and August, there's a lot of rain. She's like, I don't think I could deal with that. And I kind of like that she went with the rain rather than snow. Then again, she probably already knows that it snows in New York City, but she wanted to know the rain situation more so than the snow situation. When they hug goodbye, though, it is very awkward. It's almost like he goes in for a kiss and she kisses his cheek and she's just kind of like, bye, fuck you, Kelly Catrone, for making me go on this weird date with this model who I'm not even really interested in. But the next scene, we are back at People's Revolution and Whitney tells Lauren about Alex and how Kelly set them up. She's like, Kelly bailed on us. And this conversation is definitely the most Whitney has ever talked about Whitney to Lauren. Like, she's not stopping for Lauren. She's just talking about herself. Lauren doesn't stop her or anything. But then she does ask Lauren how she had been. She's like, how have you been? Good. Just a very good answer. And Whitney's like, good. And then she just goes, did you end it with Doug? No, I'm avoiding it. And Lauren quickly follows up with, I've waited too long to pick the wrong guy to settle for. And yeah, that's why I'm single too, right? Like, because I've waited so long. (laughs) So we leave with that little antidote from Lauren. Again, we're not sure if Whitney's gonna move. We're not sure if she's ready to move. But we do know that Lauren wants to break things off with Doug. She's just kind of avoiding the situation. Now we're at the Spidey apartment. And Spencer is reading. He's always reading. I feel like he's always reading because he doesn't work. He's always on his phone reading a book. (laughs) But Steph comes in with a present, a peace offering, she says. And Spencer won't open it. He goes, I'm not really in the mood to open gifts right now. She goes, just open one. Just open one of the presents. And he says, okay. He opens it and it's a giant book about the CIA And he said, okay, you get a half a point of coolness for that. But Spencer's still mad at her. He still feels like she is a traitor. And Stephanie's like, I really miss Heidi. Maybe we can all hang out again. 
What, me, you, and LC? He asks. And Stephanie just kind of shakes her head and rolls her eyes. So like I said, this episode, I always, I feel like it's very much a filler episode. There's no low. There's no Audrina. It's kind of just... You know, getting us set up for what is going to happen. It is Stephanie and Lauren heavy. But Lauren goes to Doug's house and Doug opens the door. He's like, sorry, I didn't make you food. I didn't know you were coming. And Lauren says, no problem. Like, it's no problem. So they sit at Doug's kitchen table and Doug is trying to eat a salad, trying to enjoy his lunch. And Lauren is there to break up with him. But Lauren's like, it's not there. There's nothing between us. Really? After you said you had a crush on me in the club? Well, a crush is like, it's different, Doug, is kind of what Lauren says. And Doug isn't taking this well. Doug is not enjoying being dumped by Lauren Conrad. That is for sure. It's not you at all. It's just, it's a lot at once, is what Lauren says. She's kind of fumbling over her words. You know, a breakup is no fun. Like, she does not want to really, like, end their friendship. And he's not taking it well at all. And Doug says, I've been nothing but respectful and nice. Tried to treat you like a princess. You have been nice. You've been way too nice. Okay, then I'm too nice. Doug says, and he like, he didn't know anything was wrong. And he says it hit him like a ton of bricks. It's very awkward. He's very upset. And then he kind of like comes to terms with it really quick. And Doug's like, well, can we still be friends? I mean, we go to the same places. We hang out with the same people. And Lauren's like, of course we can still be friends. Of course. Well, we tried and and it was fun. And again, Doug becomes accepting by the end of this conversation. They stand up. They walk to the door. Lauren apologizes a few more times. And Doug's just kind of like, yeah, bye. So Doug walks back to the table, finishes salad that he was eating that Lauren so rudely interrupted. Lauren gets in her car, drives away, looks very sad off into the distance. And that is how this episode ends. It ends with a breakup. You hate to see it. But Lauren had to end things with him because he does not make her excited. She had to put her own needs first. And we accept that. And we are proud that she did that. Because she doesn't want to settle for some random dude who she thinks is kind of hot. Again, she has waited too long just to settle. I know that I have been doing like a little challenge in teen mom section. But I cannot lie. I cannot get into Teen Mom OG this season. I'm not sure what it is. I feel like last episode I like slept through it. I don't really remember anything about it. Other than Amber and Christina joking that they're sister wives. And I believe Bentley is having trouble with school. But I don't know what it is. I just, I can't get into it. I know Tyler got mad at Caitlin because he thought that she raised her voice at him. And he got like really rude to her. It was just, it was a boring episode, I guess. I don't know what it is. And it seems like a lot of OG watchers are feeling the same way. I do think Teen Mom 2 brings it. I do think they do a lot better than the original Teen Mom. Whether you like them or dislike them, like, Kale brings that drama. I love watching Leah in The Girls. I know Chelsea's no longer a part of the show, but I liked watching her. And I like, I like watching Brianna. I know a lot of people don't, but she's someone you can, like, hate watch you know what I mean and then who's the other one I forget the last girl (laughs) she's newer and her family situation really stresses me out but speaking of Chelsea she is being sued for three million dollars so maybe we will see her back next season I don't know but apparently it's something like the agency she was using for paid sponsorships she wasn't giving paying them the way they should be paid it seems like that's kind of the deal going on The Ashley Reality Roundup always has all the information about the Teen Mom. So if you ever want Teen Mom information, go check her out. She does a great job and she breaks down everything with Chelsea. But I'm like, shit, $3 million? 
You're being sued for $3 million. It is time to come back to MTV. Even though you said you weren't going to do it, I'm like, I know, I don't know. I'm guessing that those two are going to get a different show, though. I've always felt that way about Chelsea and Cole. Well, when I found out that she was leaving the show, I'm like, oh, they're just going to do, like, Chip and Joanna type thing for MTV, though. As far as the challenge, my girl, unfortunately, well, spoiler alert, my girl, Teresa, was sent home, and apparently they just keep cutting out a lot of stuff that they should be showing, and it really bums me out. Like, it actually really frustrates me, because I talked about this last episode, but I miss the messiness that was the challenge. Yes, it is great to watch them compete, but, like, having real-life athletes, I'm like, no, <laughs> I really want people who are messy. I think that's fun, but I guess that they didn't show Nani and Teresa got into a fight, and they've been fighting for years. Like, those two just don't get along. They've never got along on seasons that they've been on together, and apparently Teresa was really, really hurt during the elimination. Big T and I believe Amber M., we're talking about it on YouTube, and when Teresa fell, she really hurt her left shoulder, and she actually took her knee pads and shoulder pad or elbow pads off during the elimination and stuck them under her harness because it was hurting her so bad, and that does not take away Casey's win. I'm not trying to say, you know, if Teresa was perfectly healthy, that Casey would have won, wouldn't have won, I mean. But I think it's just weird that they're not showing these things. I'm like, yes, Casey is a beast competitor. And even if Teresa was 100% healthier, Casey probably still would have won. I think Teresa would have put up more of a fight. Even though Teresa held her own the whole time. But I'm, I'm just, I don't understand why MTV isn't showing these things. Also, another MTV show coming back is Floribama Shore. I've ended up really, really liking that show. I never expected to love it. I think the cast is really fun. You guys know Gus drives me crazy, but I do think it's a fun show to watch. So that'll be coming back later in February. Maybe, maybe we can watch it together. Maybe I'll do like a quick little episode review or something. I'll probably do it in the episode, but again, we have timestamps now. So if you're not interested, feel free to skip over it. So the interview with Troy will be after the little pop culture brunch. There is not a ton to say. I will say that Troy and I recorded before Justin Timberlake's apology and honestly I'm kind of on the fence with it I mean it wasn't like super genuine and I feel like he did it so he wouldn't be canceled and I don't know I don't know if it's like too little too late I guess we'll see what happens um obviously Britney has not responded to it Janet Jackson did not respond to it but she did thank her fans for making her album top the charts again after I think it came out in 1986 or 1989 or something so she didn't even respond to it because I do think that Janet's career really took a hard hit after all of that and Justin didn't take any responsibility for anything. So I do understand why she may not want to forgive right now, right? She doesn't want to pull a Lauren Conrad and forgive and forget Justin. She's not there yet. I understand that. But I was surprised Justin apologized. I didn't really expect it. Again, I think he did it so he wouldn't be canceled. I do wish it was a video, but he did apologize. Um, I'm still not a Justin fan. I do think it was kind of big of him to do that, though. I don't know. Like I said, I'm very on the fence with it. I'm very much like... Well, it's just another notes app apology, like the same thing he did when he was caught maybe cheating on Jessica, even though he says he wasn't cheating. But we all know Justin Timberlake is a cheater, allegedly a cheater. Um, and I do kind of wish it was a video. I will say, I know I was pretty hard on Morgan Wallen last week, and he did put out a really long apology video. And I actually give him credit. He seemed like he was very 
sorry and he feels like he wasn't just sorry he got caught he said he's nine days sober at the time he released the video nine days sober so like i said last week although i'm not going to support morgan anymore i think it is great that he is getting help that he needs and feels he needs and he seems to be taking it seriously so i have to give him credit there Someone did give me a, a one-star rating because they said cancel culture shouldn't be good and anyone who thinks it is good is an idiot. And I guess what I meant, and I don't even remember what I said, to be honest. I talk so much. But I felt like what I said was, I'm canceling Morgan Wallen from me. Because in general, with anything, you have to be your own gatekeeper. If you hate this podcast now, that is you. You have to be your own gatekeeper with that, right? Like, as much as it sucks, like, I'll miss you listening um you just have to be your own gatekeeper like there are podcasts that I've stopped listening to because they have really gone off the deep end in my opinion but again it's your own gatekeeper and what I meant when I was talking about Morgan was I'm canceling Morgan Wallen for me but I do think if he is taking these steps to become a better person then if he comes back with country music and I mean everyone deserves to be held accountable but everyone does deserve to you know, be a better person if they if they can do that. So I just kind of wanted to touch on that because I know how I said it last week probably wasn't how I meant it because sometimes I just talk. And today it was announced that Meghan and Harry are expecting baby number two. So I'm kind of like, oh, is this an American royal baby now? Because they're here now. So can we claim this as our first royal baby I guess Surrey Cruz was probably our first royalty baby, but you know what I mean. Happy for them. I think they're an adorable couple. I love Meghan Markle. I've loved Harry for a long time. Even when Will was like still kind of hot, I was like, no, something about Harry. I'm kind of into him. But yeah, Meghan and Harry are expecting baby number two. Also in weird news that I didn't think was going to happen. I really, really like Meghan Fox and MGK now. I do think they are thirst monsters, but there's something about them I just kind of like. I looked at their Valentine's Day posts and I was kind of like, oh, that's cute. And then I saw that MGK wears her blood around his neck. And I'm like, oh, that's very Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton of them. So hopefully they don't crash and burn as hard as those two did. I still don't know if they're like end game, but they're a good looking couple. So whatever. I'm I'm not going to say they're PR anymore. Okay, look it. I'm I'm lifting my PR statement to them. I also really like Gigi and Zayn. I don't know what's happening. All these couples that I was like skeptical about, I'm like, love them. Let's do it. I'm in love. I love this couple. <laughs> also, this week, Taylor Swift released Love Story, which is, of course, going to be a part of her Fearless re record. And that is going to come out, I believe, on April 9th. Because one thing Taylor used to do in like all of her jacket flaps, jacket flaps? I don't know if that's what it's called. <laughs> All of like the little books in her in her CDs. She used to always capitalize random letters. And then if you put those letters together, that is how you knew who the song was about or what it was about or a hidden message of some sort. Um, so that is what I took from that. I also think that is like her fate, one of her favorite albums because it was so awarded. People really loved it. That's when she started doing stadium tours, or at least I know she did Foxborough Stadium when it came to Fearless. And yeah, I think that's why she chose it. It also came out 13 years ago. That is Taylor's favorite number, 13. I mean, she announced the re-release on 2-11, which is... 13 if you add it together that's why I think on the 9th it'll be her new album and I'm actually really excited to hear the songs that I loved so much from Fearless with her more adult voice I think it's going to be great I'm really excited for Speak Now too 
Those Speak Now, I think, is one of her most underrated albums. She wrote the whole thing herself, and it's one of like my favorite albums of all time. I know Red in 1989 get a lot of love, but I love Reputation. I love Speak Now. Those two are my top two albums. So that's what's going on with Taylor. And I actually saw someone, they were like, Taylor's doing too much. And, you know, at first I was kind of like, I guess you could say that. But she also, like, wants to own her music that she worked really hard to get. So I'm going to rebuy her shit. And my bank account's going to be like, really? More Taylor stuff? Like, can't you calm down on the Uber Eats and Taylor Swift? But that is all I have for my pop culture little session but now we are gonna get into the interview with Troy we talk a lot about you know the dark side of Hollywood the dark 2000s the Nickelodeon Disney machine we do brighten it up by the end but I had so much fun with him and I hope you guys really enjoy it guys I am so excited I have Troy McKeady from the Dunzo podcast and let me just say Whenever I see the name Dunzo Podcast, I'm always like, I should have taken that first. But you do such a great job with that name. I love your podcast so much. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so beyond. I'm obsessed with you. I'm obsessed with this show. I think that you are the premier, like, Laguna Beach, The Hills, all of those shows, like, person on the internet. Like, I, I love you. Oh my God, thank you so much. I love you. And you keep me up to date with um, like all celebrity blinds. And that's one thing I love is like you see the celebrity world, probably how I see it is very like <laughs> fake and calculated and all this stuff. And I'm just so excited to have you. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> all right. So tell me a little bit about your podcast for those who don't know. I mean, I could go okay. on and on, but from Troy, what <laughs> is your podcast about? <laughs> Okay, so it's called Dunzo, and um, it started off, it used to be called The Smush Room, and I did a rebrand, I think it's maybe been a year now, but um, it started off as a podcast where I would really, really intensely, uh, let's just be, uh, psychotically (laughs) dive into these celebrity relationships, like truly like digging through people's garbage level, like psychotic, (laughs) Um, and I would sort of have to skim over all of this stuff in keeping on topic of the relationship. And I really, at a certain point, I was like, I want to open this up and talk about all the stuff that I skim over. So now I, I do these deep dives on celebrities and their relationships and their lives and their careers. And um, I do just all kinds of pop culture stuff, album reviews. Um, yeah, all kinds of stuff, just pop culture related. When did you start to love pop culture? Was it super young? Yeah, I grew up in a pop culture house. Like, we weren't, like, a sports house. We Mm -hmm. were, you know, like, for us, where people would get really excited for, like, the Super Bowl or whatever, for us, it was, like, the Oscars. And that's awesome. Yeah, we were, like, you know, I was a real... I was raised in pop culture. Like, my mom had me when she was really young. And, I mean, not to say this in a bad way, but, like, I was sat in front of a TV a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and because of that, I just, I fell in love with celebrity. Do you have a moment, like a pop culture moment that stands out to you where you were like, wow, I want to look more into this. Does that make sense? Is that like a weird thing to ask? No, I 100% get what you mean. I think when I was younger, so when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Michael Jackson. Like when I was really little, like early nineties, I was obsessed with him and his career is so layered and weird and and problematic and inspiring and all these different things it's so many different things and being obsessed with him as a kid in the 90s I think made me 
have it kind of forced me to want to know more about people you know like he sort of sparked my fascination with knowing more about celebrities and what you read in like people magazine yeah i guess Yeah, for sure. I can remember my grandparents would always steal People magazine from like their doctor's office. So so whenever I'd go over, I'd be like, oh, George Clooney's doing this. I had, I could barely read, but I needed. You're like, Brad's hairline is receding? (laughs) And then of course, like we talked, I've been on Dunzo. You had me on for a millennial album review, one of my favorite things I've ever done. But obviously TRL really like <laughs> really started my obsession with pop culture. So one thing, you were actually just in a little bit of a controversy. I'm jealous because I've never been the only controversies I've been have been one sided with me getting upset. But this one, <laughs> even there's a podcast, it's called Even the Rich. And they did a really big Britney deep dive. And that's actually why I want you on. I know you know everything about Britney the way I know everything about Backstreet Boys, but they seemingly took a lot of the information that you put on your podcast and you do really long deep dives. And I don't mean that in a bad way. You do like eight episode deep dives where you can really get to know a lot about these people. And even The Rich did a deep dive, kind of hid your credits with the outro music like how was that for you because i'm just curious you're a very positive guy and on twitter i saw you were upset and i was like wait 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 i need to see what's going on yeah so you know it's crazy because it's it's been such a roller coaster because it started off as something you know people reached out to me and they were like oh my god you got a shout out on this huge podcast like and i was so excited i was like oh my god even the riches you know, they're a Wondery podcast. They're owned by Amazon. Like, they're a part of the biggest podcast network in the entire world. It's huge. And I was like, that's amazing. So I reached out to them before I listened to the episode just to immediately say, like, thank you. Like, I haven't listened yet, but, like, that, you know, thank you for even, like, listening or whatever. And then I had people reaching out to me, sending me text messages and screenshots from Reddit comments and like comments on, on the internet, just generally about them using my show notes and not just using like a couple things. Like they basically used my episodes as an outline for their four part series. And when I finally listened to their thing, cause it was like four episodes long and they were long. So I was like, I, I need to like actually make time to really like listen mm-hmm. to this. And they buried my 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 credit at the very end of the episode with the outro music so that you could barely hear it and they credited other bigger podcasters during the actual episode and it just felt really weird i was like this is they literally purposely buried citing me but they used all of my notes like why so i reached out to the host and she i mean literally within one minute responded so obviously they were like freaked out right and she basically admitted to me that they have no, they have no, they have nothing to do with the show. They were hired by the company to act as the face of this podcast. They don't do the notes. They don't do the research. They don't pick the topics. They just, they're actors basically. And they were brought in to pretend that they host the show. And I mean, the thing that made it even worse was like, I saw the day after the Britney doc aired that they were on the Tamron Hall show like oh. as Britney Spears experts. And I was like, this is crazy. 
So I sat on it for a couple weeks because I didn't know how I wanted to go about it or how I wanted to approach it. I didn't want to be messy about it. And I didn't want people to think that I was trying to like cancel somebody or something. I just wanted proper credit and, you know, to know that my, like all of this hard work that I did was used in this really like messy way. I just wanted them to properly credit me. And as soon as I reached out to them, they just deleted their social media and ran off of the internet. And I, I haven't seen them since. That is insane. And I will say, I think you handled it really well. Um, there have definitely you. been some things that have happened in like the Laguna world <laughs> that I have not handled well. So you've done way better than I would have. I would have lost my mind. So I yeah. give you a lot of credit for that, for not being messy and going about it the right way and making sure to listen to the episode. But I don't think people realize you're an independent podcaster, as am I. So mm-hmm. the taking of the notes, the editing, the recording, you also have a full-time job. Yeah. So it is a lot. So I do give you credit for that. I am glad that you were able to kind of tell them off in a way yeah. without being super messy. But Thank I wanted you. you to get credit for that because for me, I've done like deep dives, but it's pretty much just me looking at like Tumblr or, mm-hmm. you know, like Reddit forums and you go a lot deeper than that. So how do you find like the deep dive on Brittany? Me, I would go to like NT Lawyer, like uh, mm-hmm. Crazy Days mm-hmm. and Nights. So how do you go about that? So it's a mix of, so the way that I usually will start it is like I'll, sort of try and figure out like what my perspective is on telling this story mm-hmm. you know like what am I trying to get across and whenever it's something especially like Brittany I usually try and approach it from a way of like I would like to do this in a way that I don't see all the time right because there's so much Britney Spears content on the internet there's so many documentaries about her there's a series right now on YouTube that everybody is watching by a channel called Deep Dive that's amazing they're doing like an eight-part series on her so I was trying to approach it from a way of like, well, what am I trying to even say about this? Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't want to just rehash the same stuff that everybody is saying. So I, like, I'll try and figure out like what I'm even trying to say. And then I just kind of start, I, my like trick for use, cause I, I've always been kind of good at Googling stuff, I guess. Yeah. You know, like I've <laughs> always sure. been the person that like my friends will be like, Hey, can you Google this thing for me? And I'm like, you realize Google is a, we have, we all have access to Google. Like, <laughs> I don't have, I don't, I don't like to reach out to the headquarters and ask them to send me, I just Google it. I, I get it. I get it. That's how I find a lot of Laguna stuff, like deep, deep Laguna stuff. Yeah. Like there's a certain way of Googling things that like will get you to old articles and things from way back in the day. So I've just kind of always been good at looking up stuff on Google. Um, I'm usually really specific about the year. So I try and keep it. I just go based on the year. So if I'm starting in 98, I will search everything I can in that year and just go by like chronological to, to keep myself sane. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's truly madness. Like sometimes when I'm done, I look at my notes and I'm like, I'm psychotic. Like, <laughs> like this isn't even something that I should be praised for. This is like dark. <laughs> You're like, should I go to therapy? Yeah. Like what is my life? <laughs> What has been your favorite deep dive? I mean, I'm sure Britney's up there. I know, like I said, I know you love Britney. But other than Britney, what has been your favorite deep dive? You know, ironically, it's probably been Christina. (laughs) You know, I listened to your Christina ones over the course of the last few weeks. And I actually really loved it. And the way that you put it that she was never meant to be like a child star. 
and mm-hmm. she was never on those Star Search shows, I was kind of like, oh, that's why she was kind of a baddie. Yeah, like, with those deep dives, the really weird thing that happens is, like, as I'm doing it, I, like, learn... I have like an entirely different perspective of somebody that I thought I knew. I always, with Christina, it's like I always blocked out so much of her as a, as a kid because I was like, I wasn't allowed to like her or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, so much of the really interesting stuff about her being young, like I just didn't know. And I've never really tried to understand anything from her perspective and just how crazy it is that, you know, she was this like super talented singer, like a blues singer, a soul singer, a jazz singer. And they were like, no, you're blonde, so you're going to sing Genie in a Bottle, bitch. Like, I don't, it doesn't <laughs> matter if you like blues. And, you know, just her having to kind of fight that for, like, 20 years is just, like, so crazy. What Has that been, like, the most surprising one, do you think? That was probably the most surprising. The fact that I, I did not expect that I would come away with that, like, respecting Christina. I was like, wow, like, I guess I really have low-key loved her my whole life, and I just haven't come to terms with it. I mean, when you said you weren't allowed to like her, immediately I was like, I wasn't allowed to like sync. I get it. It was just, yeah. you know, it was like gang wars back then. <laughs> yeah, literally like warriors. What's your favorite Christina song? I mean, I love a Christina ballad. I'm a cliche in that, in that, in that way. I love the voice within. Me I too. I was going to oh, say that. It's so, it truly is like so, I think it's better than beautiful. And then also can't hold us down. I would say those two so are my good. favorite. So good. Yeah, basically anything from Stripped. And then if I'm going old school, Christina, I mean, I love that first album. I love Come On Over. Yeah. You know, I love, like, So Emotional, Love for All Seasons, all those, like, (laughs) those, like, R&B 90s songs. I love it. They're so good. They're so good. I was revisiting Britney and, like, just listening to Don't Go Knock My Door over and over and over again. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. <laughs> what would you say your, like, top five Britney songs are? Holy shit. Um, I know, I know. It's tough. It's tough to be put ooh. on the spot. <laughs> um, okay, top five. I would say... In no order. I, in no order. No order. Perfect. Okay. I always go to... Can they be deep cuts? Yeah, anything. Okay. There's a song. There's a bonus song of hers called Don't Hang Up that I really liked. That's really, really good. If you guys have not heard that song, you should definitely listen to it. It's not like a super popular one, but it's so good. Um, Unusual You is another favorite. I love Anticipating, uh, Showdown. God, I could just keep going. (laughs) Um, I love Showdown a lot. That's Where You Take Me is another deep cut. I always say I'm either like... When it comes to Britney, I'm either like full R&B Britney. Like I love those like Pharrell... Yep. You know, dark child songs or just like literally sugary teeth falling out. <laughs> That's perfect. I love that. I think mine would be like Me Against the Music is definitely my number one. Oh, so good. Um, Circus, Stronger, Every Time. And then Mona Lisa. Well, look at you, Icon. Look <laughs> <laughs> out. I was expecting that. Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa is iconic. Can you tell people, we're going to get into Britney again. I know Framing Britney, if you haven't listened to his deep dive on Britney, please do that. Um, it's much deeper than what we're going to talk about tonight. But do you know like the backstory of the Mona Lisa song? You're aware of all that, yeah. right? Can you so, explain it? You'll do it better than I can. <laughs> I would love to. Okay, so 
around the time that Britney was starting to sort of rebel against her management, against her team, she wrote these songs. I call it her trauma album. Wasn't it supposed to be called like Dollhouse or something? It was called Original Doll. Okay, Original Doll. And it was kind of like what I would compare ironically to like Stripped. It's what she wanted to be her like honest album. It's like for the first time, I'm really going to be honest with people about all of this trauma that I've faced in my life. And Mona Lisa specific. So basically she went to this radio station unannounced. She showed up at Kiss FM. Um, a, her management didn't know security didn't know she literally drove there alone with a cd a demo that she had recorded a song that she had written herself called mona lisa she told the radio station that this was going to be her new single and that it was the direction that she was going they played mona lisa and it's a song about a pop star being driven to a breakdown and the world having to deal with the fact that the girl that they knew was gone and that she no longer exists and that they killed her. Right. And about how like, you know, like the guys are going to have to deal with the fact that they basically don't want to sleep with her anymore. And girls are, maybe they don't want to be her anymore. And that girl is dead. And it's just crazy. It's one of the, it's such a good song and it's only been played once on radio. Mm -hmm. After that, they were like, no more, Britney. You're not allowed to get out of the house, which is not funny because it really Mm -hmm. was like the start of that. Yeah, they were like, holy shit. We need to do some damage controls. Her team released a statement like saying basically that we're not releasing this album. This is not the direction she's going in. Um, Since it was already out, they had to like put it on things. Mm -hmm. So they buried it on her chaotic dvd oh my god okay yeah like we're gonna put it on a double like on the back of this dvd how's that sound brit <laughs> like that's crazy so obviously with framing britney coming out the free britney movement has become much more talked about i know mm-hmm. you've talked about it for a long time i've seen it on twitter for a very long time I guess I've always known about it. I never really, like, dug too much deeper. Just, you know, what was ever on my Twitter feed, I was like, okay, noted. But do you think that this New York Times piece is going to really help Britney? Or do you think it's made it more so, like, her team's going to hold her even closer? Do you know what I mean? You know, I worry about that. Like, it scares me that this stuff is all happening and that she is just at their will still. Right, right. You know, like... All this stuff is coming out about Jamie and everybody knows that she doesn't want to be controlled by him, but she's like still living in that house with no real connection to the outside world except for Instagram videos, you know? So that does freak me out. But I do think the documentary was effective in getting everybody on the same page. Like anybody who claims to not have known she was treated bad, you know, because there are a lot of people who still don't know that she had a bad year. There mm-hmm. are a lot of people who don't know that she, you know, she what she didn't shave her head because she was just crazy. Like, you know, people sort of live in that still because it was so beaten to people's minds that she's just this crazy lunatic and, mm-hmm. you know, nothing more than that. So I think it was effective in, like, getting everybody sort of a crash course. Like, this is what happened. This is why it happened. This is why it's wrong. And this is why it needs to change. So now everybody knows. There's no, nobody can say, you know, Joe Sixpack from Bumfuck Wherever can't say, (laughs) like, I didn't know, I forgot she shaved her head. Like, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. Is there anything you wish that they kind of talked about more in the documentary? I know, or I'm sure they had to stick with like facts only type of thing just so they couldn't get, wouldn't get sued. But is there anything you wish they covered more of? Like, I kind of wish they talked more about her Lou Pearlman days just because Lou Pearlman, we know he's a slime bag. And then people would be like, oh, she had to deal with him too. Like, it would just kind of add that more extra layer of like creepy grossness. That's a really good point. Yeah, the Lou Pearlman would have been amazing just her being introduced as a teenager, you know, in the industry to a pedophile. Like, right. you know, the start of her career as a 16-year-old was with a man who came up with the idea to market her as an underage, like, slut, basically. Yeah. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Like, that was the whole gig. And, um, and yeah, he was the mind behind that. Lou, it was all Lou Pearlman, right? Yeah, at the very beginning, Mm -hmm. like, when they were coming up with the idea of what her whole thing was going to be, like, he was very involved. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that would be, that would have been amazing. I wish that they would have, of course, I wish they would have talked more about the Lou Taylor of it all, too. Like, just like her, the people involved, I wish that they would have exposed names and been like, no, these people are bad. But I think the biggest thing for me that I was really upset about was that, you know, this is supposed to be a documentary about a girl who doesn't have a voice, right? Like, she has no voice and Mm -hmm. she has no way of expressing her unfiltered thoughts. But she used to a lot. Right. She used to be very vocal and very honest. And I just wish they would have shown more of her expressing her own thoughts and opinions and fears and whatever to the world because she did right like it it pushed that like broken doll like narrative that she's just this broken sad weak little bird and like that's really not who she is you know yeah for sure I was even watching like an older interview and somebody was like you're too sexual and she was like well, I'll do respect, you know, just because I'm showing my stomach, but the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC can thrust and grind on stage. She was very vocal, and she was also really funny, which I don't think a lot of people remember. Like, she was very goofy on, like, the, um, what was it, making the music video that they used to do on MTV. Yes. She was so fun, and I... Yeah. One thing I like is that they reminded us how involved she was with the creative process. Yes, I loved that. Yeah, because um, when she was doing her Vegas, right before it started, they did some MTV thing, and that was all her. Like, that was all mm-hmm. Britney, and people want to act like she's so dumb or something, and she's not. Yeah, I mean, I always say she's one of the most, like, I always say that she's this generation's Marilyn Monroe. She's the closest, okay. I think, that we could ever possibly get to something like that. Mm-hmm. In all the ways, the good ways and the bad ways, um, the voice, just so many things, uh, being a sex symbol, but also just, you know, having, how, how do I say this? Like having this really skewed sort of smeared image, like nobody really knowing who you are. Right. Sort of like a Marilyn Monroe, you know, she's so misunderstood and the public is so misinformed about her. And I hate that. And like you said, yeah, she is so... She's always been so involved in her creative process. She's written so many songs. Mm -hmm. And any producer or writer that she's ever worked with has always said, like, she's the most, like, intense, like, easy-to-work-with artist I've ever had to do anything with because she goes in there like a freaking Terminator and kills it. And 
there's so many songs that she gave up writing credit for because it would help people, you know? Like, she's co-written so many songs, and they've been like, Britney gave me credit on that song, even though she helped me write it, because she's Britney fucking Spears, and I was a nobody, you know? Yeah, it almost reminds me, so maybe, you you like Mariah Carey as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I, it took me a while to be like, she writes a lot of her own music. Right. You know, it's tough when you don't realize that these female artists that aren't, you know, Taylor Swift or I know Demi Lovato writes a lot of her own music. But back in like the 90s, early 2000s, I almost feel like that wasn't cool. Yeah, there was no, honestly, there was no Taylor Swift to make people realize how effective that is as a marketing thing. Mm -hmm. You know, even Madonna, like Madonna has produced all of her albums work you know and i always say like if madonna wanted to retire from music and be a dj she could because she mixes her own music like i didn't know that and she like mixes all the songs together like that's her um you know and thank god for taylor coming along and being like no this is actually really cool like it's really fucking cool to write your own music and it's a really really effective way to market albums to say like well they're they're my songs you know Absolutely. Um, one thing I did want to talk to, obviously I want to talk to you about many things. I need to stop saying one thing, but <laughs> the Justin Timberlake of it all. Um, I've been very vocal how I feel about Justin. You know, I think he's extremely talented. I will not mm-hmm. take his talent away, but I just wish, I feel like Britney's finally getting a little bit of justice for that breakup mm-hmm. because Justin cheated too. They didn't say that in the New York Times framing Britney, but like Justin cheated too. So, (laughs) but how do you feel about Justin? Because I am a pretty big Britney fan, but I would say I'm more, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm actually a big Britney fan. Like I know enough of her music. I'm always rooting for her, but I am not a Britney fan the way I'm a Taylor fan. Totally. I get that. So I need your Justin Timberlake thoughts. (laughs) Okay. So I feel like you're similar to me in the sense of like, I can separate what I hate about an artist <laughs> with like how good they are at something. Right. For sure. Right. And like you said, Justin is like outrageously talented. Like he literally is, it's unreal how talented he is. Mm-hmm. And he's for a long time, he was really, really good at marketing, branding, strategy, you know, controlling the narrative, you know, just like a tailor. Like, he was really good at that. And I think it was really effective for him to push this, like, you know, but that first album, that that breakup album, it was like, he was this broken, sad, just like this heartbroken genius, this musical prodigy. (laughs) And Britney hurt him so bad that it resulted in these amazing songs. And if you want to know what they sound like, you got to buy the album, you know? Mm-hmm. It was really, really smart, but it was just so fucked up. Right. And it was so wrong. Exactly. And the thing I always think about is before Crimea River came out, he called Britney acting like he wanted to get back together. And that's when I was like, fuck you, Justin. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just such a calculated little asshole and like <laughs> you know what I mean and it's like you said they he cheated and like I've talked a lot about the fact that by the time they got to that point in the relationship where they weren't going to be together anymore it was so much more of a business than mm-hmm. you know some like 
you know, two teenage lovebirds. Like, it's just such a false narrative. And I can't believe that people fell for it for so long. I mean, it was a long time that Justin was able to ride that Britney wave. He wrote it for the better part of a fucking decade. I feel like even now and then he still does. He'll still say things. He was accepting some award. I think it was like a songwriting award in Memphis, like not that long ago. He was still married to Jessica Biel, or was married to Jessica Biel. I know he still is. But he was like, you know, I've dated some pop stars. And I was like, why? Mm. Why? I know. (laughs) What is the point? Or like, do you remember when um, I actually saw him live when I was, I saw his uh, Future Sex Love Sounds tour. And I, I remember him adding Rehab by Amy Winehouse on his set list when Britney went to rehab and he was like calling her a bitch on stage and stuff. Like he was really, really, really brutal. And the thing about him that I think is so interesting is like when it comes to him, Britney knows where the bodies are buried. And if she wanted to during that Diane Sawyer interview, she could have outed so much shit about him. Like, let's not forget that Justin Timberlake was, like, career-wise, this is dark, but he was attached to Lou Pearlman and was, in many ways, Lou's favorite member of that boy band. That's why he was pushed to the front, even though he wasn't the most talented or the best singer. Right. So it's like, there's a lot about his career that is in the shadows, and he watched her take the high road and chose to, like, bash her when... She could have done the same thing as she did it. And I just think it's a testament to like who she is, you know? I agree because again, I would have not done that. <laughs> for... Agree, totally. <laughs> but I think at that point, people wouldn't have believed her, which. Yeah, that's Diane... so true. You know, that whole thing just made me so angry, especially with the paparazzi. So early 2000s, paparazzi were out of control. I do think the one good thing about social media other than us meeting, has been, you know, celebrities can control their their own narrative now. They have Instagram. They can post pictures they want. Yes, paparazzi are still around, but it's nothing like it was. When do you think that turning point was for paparazzi? Do you think it was when Twitter and Instagram and stuff became more prevalent? Yeah, I mean, I I guess it would have been when social media became more prevalent, like you said, because they could just get in front of... You know, if there was some sort of scandal or something going on, you know, if Ariana Grande licks a donut, she can just get on <laughs> right. on Instagram Live and say, sorry, I didn't mean to, and it's over. You know, whereas back then, you know, for example, if, if Ashley Simpson lip syncs on SNL, she used to wait days to do press, and it's a whole media cycle, and everything was so blown out of proportion, and everything was just such a big deal. Everything was a big deal because, like you said, they couldn't just get in front of it like they can now there was so many or like they had to go on some sort of talk show like a whitney houston having to finally address her drug stuff she has to go on diane sawyer there is no there's no way of you know and then that just leads to more pounding and stuff so yeah i definitely think social media just kind of killed the whole paparazzi thing and also yeah like magazines true yeah like the magazines weren't selling and those pictures were not as necessary. It's like, it wasn't really that big of a deal to see Nicole Richie leaving a restaurant. Who cares? Because she's on Instagram, you know? Yeah, for sure. What other, I know you mentioned Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. What other female celebrities specifically 
do you think were treated unjust in the early 2000s specifically? Because one thing, and I still find myself doing this, and I try so hard not to, but it's like, they love to put women against one another. Like Brittany and Christina, they could have been great friends. We don't know. But even to this day, it's so ingrained in me to be like, oh, well, I, I don't know. These two women are fighting. Like, I need to pick a side. When in reality, people are allowed to have disagreements. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, God, it's so hard to say. I mean, I think, like, the cliche ones come to mind when you think of, like, I think, you know, when you think of, like, Lindsay and Misha and those girls and just how young they were, you know? Like, when you think of how young Lindsay Lohan was when she was being viciously attacked by the media and having this narrative written for her that she's this, like, drug addict, slut, bad girl, thief, whore kind of thing. And it's like she was making bad decisions. But she also very publicly came from a family of fucking drug addicts and thieves. And, you know, I mean, her dad was Michael Lohan. And it's like for everybody to know that, but then still be shocked. I can't believe Lindsay's doing these things. It's like, why can't you? Wait, you? I am so excited you brought that up. Because I brought it up. I had Jeff Epstein pop goggles on mm, yeah, two, yeah. two episodes ago. And him and I were talking about that because I put something up and I was like, you know, Lindsay Lohan, she kind of didn't have a chance because the media was so hard on her. Her family was crazy and someone slid into my DMs and we started kind of arguing because she brought up Mariah Carey and how Mariah Carey also had a tough life. And I was like, okay, I agree, but the, the media was different when Mariah Carey, but it wasn't different when Mariah Carey was going through her shit, when she was going yeah. through like her public issues but with Lindsay what do you think it is do you think it was just like the perfect storm of madness for her with Lindsay I think she came into the industry as most child stars do with so many skeletons in her closet right like she had this crazy family who was like they were so dysfunctional and like at the peak of their dysfunction like when she became famous you know her dad like leaving jail and showing up to the her her uh, film sets and being like, Hey, sweetie, I've been in prison for a month for embezzlement. How you doing, baby? You know, like there was, she had no chance really. And you know, they tried to hide all of that. And also, by the way, I think you have to factor in the Disney machine. It's not fair Mm -hmm. to not factor in Disney. Yeah, absolutely. Can we talk about that? Like the Disney Nickelodeon stars, because One person I always talk about is Hayden Panettiere. I never think that she gets enough respect. She's so talented. But it's kind of weird because she wasn't really in that Disney Nickelodeon sphere. I know I'm getting off topic, but, you know, she's 16 clubbing with Paris Hilton. So even, I know the Disney Nickelodeon machine is horrible, but it's like these young girls are still just, I don't know, They I can't explain it. I just wanted to talk about Hayden for a second. And if you have any Hayden yes. thoughts, I would love to know. So I've talked about this on, I don't, I think I talked about this on, like, do you remember this, my friend Dara? Mm-hmm. Um, she's a great, per- I love that podcast too. Yeah, she's fucking awesome. Yeah. And we talked about this, uh, are you familiar with this woman, Diana Jenkins? No. Okay, so there's this woman, she's tied to Hayden, so I okay. brought her up. Um, she is really interesting. If anybody's interested in a real, like, sort of rabbit hole 
blind item, deep divey kind of like dark corners of the internet kind of thing, which I love. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> she's like a real, a real interesting person. So she is, for whatever reason, she's really, really, really connected to like Saudi princes. Presidents. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, all kinds of just really powerful people. And also all of the most powerful people in Hollywood. Like, she's really close friends with Elton John, George Clooney. She's great great friends with Lindsay, Paris, Kim. Like, she's very connected. And she is, basically, if you read about her, she's like a glorified madam. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Is that like the Room 26 or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Hayden is like one of her closest friends in quotes. She calls Hayden like her baby girl or something. She has like a nickname for her, like my little baby or something. Um, I think like Hayden is just, again, the product of horrendous parents, just Mm -hmm. horrible parents that literally, I don't think people realize like, it's not like metaphorical when people say that they, like these people sell their kids to Hollywood. Like they, Hayden was basically sold to hollywood you know the same as like a justin bieber just given away it's like just take my kid do whatever make a bunch of money and then bring it back home you know yeah i'll see you in a year sis uh so yeah if anybody's interested in that if you want to read about that book room 23 it is allegedly a book of (laughs) yes all of her celebrity clients who either um like escort for her or have like paid her for her services and the whole book is escort themed it's all celebrities in hotels like as prostitutes basically as sex workers and uh hayden is in it a lot she's in it a lot as a sex sex worker who's about to have like group sex with people allegedly Uh, allegedly allegedly yes (laughs) (laughs) see i don't think I mean, obviously, you and I spend a lot of time online and love pop culture, but I think it's hard for some people to believe that this stuff goes on even with celebrities that we think we know so much about. I agree. I think it's scary for people to, you know, RuPaul always says that people like living in their matrix. They like living in the hamster wheel because it's like safe. Mm -hmm. And like, I always say, I think Hollywood is way more of our government than like our actual government in this country. Like Hollywood is our government. So to have to dismantle it like that and think like that shit that dark happens, I think is scary for people, but it's like, dude, wake up. Right. Come on. Like you really still, you can look at what happened to Britney and still think that Hollywood isn't dark. Even Justin Bieber. Oh my God. Justin so much. I would say maybe even more. Yeah. Like it's, it's really weird to me. How now he, I mean, a lot of people turn to religion after addiction, and he's always been, like, quasi-religious, like, into it, I know. I'll never forget, and he's like, I'd like to thank not only God, but Jesus, too. One of my <laughs> one of my favorite awards, acceptance speeches of all time. But what about him and Selena? Do you think they were more toxic than Britney and Justin? Oh, man. In some ways, I do. I really do. I because think they so. Were so I, I know that Justin and Selena eventually fell in some sort of love for each other, you know? I almost wonder if it was like trauma bonding because they had both been through so much. But again, one of my favorite 
pop culture moments of recent years is when they were on like Skid Row getting chased around by someone with a cell phone camera and they were like and again that got hidden on the internet it's so hard to find (laughs) I know it got scrubbed and I'm so upset that I didn't save the video yeah you know every once in a while I'll find it they yeah so Back to, like, the Disney Nickelodeon machine. I know we took a lot of detours, but it was a good conversation. What? Yeah. Tell me what you think about it, because I think Dan Schneider should be in prison. Okay, so this is... Dan Schneider is almost always the person I'm talking about when I say that I do, I do not understand the logistics of cancel culture. Right. I don't understand the conveniences of just, like, well, this person, it's like, we don't feel like dealing with, or we don't feel like canceling them, or it's like too inconvenient to cancel this person. Like if Harvey is canceled and like, was the, the, the sort of first domino in that whole thing, Dan Schneider not being canceled and still working with children is insane to me. I don't know how the Me Too movement didn't touch him. And I read a whole article about it and they were, the whole article's like, we also don't know how the Me Too movement didn't affect him at all. It is, I almost feel like, and this is not to discredit what the Me Too movement is or what it Mm -hmm. has done, but I almost feel like it's just, it's like Hollywood pushed the Me Too movement forward and the kid stuff it's like that's almost too much to deal with. I actually agree with you. I agree with that for sure. And if you are new to the Dan Schneider stuff, he created like the Amanda Show, all that. Um, I know iCarly, Victoria, Zoe 101, any of the shows you grew up loving on Nickelodeon, there's a good chance Dan Schneider was a part of it. Yeah. And there have been tons, tons of girls and kids that have come forward and said that he was just really 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 creepy and really gross and i mean it's it's so funny because now it's like not even hard to find at Mm -hmm. all like if you google his name it brings up some pretty horrific shit it's very surface level it's not like having to lurk around on the internet anymore it's like yahoo news level like he's very famously you know a creep and he works with kids still he's still doing casting calls and telling kids to send photos of their feet to him to get them shows. I mean, you know, he's, yeah, it's sick. It's so sick. Yeah, there's no it's other way. Crazy. There's no other way to put it. Um, let's talk about something lighter. Let's talk about okay. something more yeah. fun. You know, I love TRL. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that was almost like pinnacle pop culture era because it had, or, or you tell me why, because I know why I'm going to be, and you're probably okay. like, you're probably like, Kelly, I don't think it was Pinnacle Popcorn. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, I think TRL <laughs> is to thank for social media. Mm-hmm. Like, I think so much of how our entertainment is run now, like the the pop cycle, the, like the, the pop culture news cycle is thanks to TRL. You know, TRL really created its own universe. Right. And then that universe just kind of became the industry. Yeah. Like, it just was the entertainment industry. And it wasn't even just music at a certain point. It was like, you know, you have Angelina Jolie going on TRL and, like, Jennifer Lopez and, you know, 
like it, it just was the entertainment industry. I really do. I think it was a a really, really big high point in pop culture for real. I completely agree. You know how much I love TRL and how I want it back and how I want to host it. I don't know how we're going to make it happen. I don't know how we're going to make it happen, but it's going to happen. You and Kristen Cavallari together hosting. I would be so scared. (laughs) I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even speak. So, yeah, let's talk some Laguna because I know you're not a huge Lauren fan. Okay. I rewatching. I am very much a Lauren friend. I always thought I was, you know, I've. Mm I was kind of like the friend who's like, you shouldn't date that guy. Meanwhile, I'm dating like a real piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) So I was always the friend. And there's a part of me, like a lot of my background, like I have an alcoholic mom. So I thought, you know, if I couldn't control like that, I'd want to control other people. Things I've learned in therapy. Right. But watching her back, I'm like, I still don't think she's as bad as everybody makes her out to be. You know, <laughs> okay, I get it. Honestly, I I understand what you're saying. I think for me, the Lauren thing is like, I think that Lauren being put on the pedestal she was put on during that time, looking back, is insane. Yeah, for sure. I think that Lauren was smart and always having extremely interesting people around her. Mm-hmm. The most interesting thing about Lauren was her friends mm-hmm. and her, whoever she was dating. It never really had a whole lot to do with her. And I guess the thing about her that drives me crazy is I just feel like she's such like a, like a prototype for what was considered like a good girl at that time. Right. You know, and like that bothers me. And I don't, I don't, I think that I don't think Lauren ever did anything herself maliciously it's almost like the way that i feel about jennifer anderson it's like projection it's like a lot of people projecting thoughts onto her where it's like well why is lauren this like joan of arc why because she's a little bit more boring than heidi (laughs) right Right. no i get that she was she was like the golden goose of mtv Polly d right now is their golden goose i'm like him yeah you you want That's so weird. They pick weird ones. I mean, I get Polly D's like a fun guy, but Lauren, I feel like Lauren, she kept herself hidden enough where she wouldn't give you too much to work with. Like rewatching, she would have never made it on reality TV now, but she totally. gave you like just enough to be like, well, maybe she is kind of a controlling friend, but, but then look what she's doing for Audrina, you know? Right. So there was that balance and then spidey became such thirst monsters that you i couldn't let i still don't really care for them how do you feel about them i don't feel the same way a lot of people do about them i don't think that they're like i don't know i think people worship them in this kind of like kind of weird way it's like so like we just are gonna forget about all the gross stuff that spencer did even if it was exactly and and he has said on um i talk about this a lot on the podcast brad behavior Okay. I, um, he was like, you know, I always said, oh, I acted the whole time, but I'll rewatch things and be like, oh, I wasn't acting there. Yeah, like he was an asshole. He was really chauvinistic and like really gross. And, you know, I, I think like people sort of romanticize him and Heidi now because it's been so long. And it is fun to look back and be like, wow, they really did have such a huge impact on pop culture. But like, they impacted, like, the grossest part of what our pop culture was at that time. It's not like they did anything so, like, you know, amazing for society. 
for sure. They just kind of like exposed pap walks. Yeah, like they exposed how vapid and, and like shallow it is. It's like, okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's so true. I'm like, Spencer's great at rebranding himself, though. Now he's like, oh, I love Hummingbirds and Taylor Swift. I, I want to be like, tell me your favorite deep cut of Taylor Swift if you want to tell me you're a Taylor fan. <laughs> he totally yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I love how much you love Taylor. I love it so much. It is. It's like, <laughs> I don't know why. It's just, it's something deep inside of me. And I, I think, get it. I think it's because I've liked her for so long. Like, I listened to her, like, MySpace days. Mm-hmm. So it's been a long time, and I, again, I had never seen a female singer, and I didn't even care for her voice that much at the time. I liked her songs and, like, her song lyrics, and I was like, wait, this girl, like, writes her own music? That's really cool. Totally. Can I say something to you, actually, about Taylor Swift now that I'm, like, here? Yeah, uh-oh. Are we gonna fight? No, it's good. Okay. No, it's great. It's, <laughs> it's positive. So, I, I think I've told you that I used to be a real anti-Taylor, didn't like her, wasn't into her at all, and I totally reformed, and now I'm like, I like wait with bated breath for like <laughs> things, and like, I, I mean, I messaged you and was like, do you think Taylor's announcement is that she's going to do an evermore like acoustic thing? I'm like in it. Yeah. I, I'm really deep in it now. And Welcome. Think, we we welcome all newbies. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, I'm so happy to be here. I, I really like her a lot now, and I think... It, like, if we're talking about celebrity and pop culture, in my opinion, you know, maybe 20, 30 years from now, I've said this before on my podcast, I think Taylor is, like, one of the most interesting celebrities that we've had in the last 20 years because I seriously think she's, like, old Hollywood. Like, I agree. in many ways, she's, like, a fucking Elizabeth Taylor because mm-hmm. her relationships are a lot of her old relationships are, they're just so Hollywood. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like, like PR PR. Yeah. 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 They're just so, so, so Hollywood. And it's so interesting. And her attachment to men and how she's literally given these men careers. Like she basically gave Harry Styles a solo career just based on being associated with her. I just, I just think the whole thing is so interesting. So, yeah, talk about the PR um, relationships, because I definitely think, like, Harry Styles was PR. I think Jake Gyllenhaal Mm -hmm. was PR. I Mm -hmm. think um, Tom Loki, Tom Hiddleston, Mm -hmm. I think that was PR. Calvin Harris, I've heard that he had, like, a longtime girlfriend on the side. And then, of course, when him and Taylor broke up, there were all those tweets, like, all, the only way I could get to the Grammys was by having a beard or by shaving my beard. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just so interesting. And then when you say that to some Swifties, they're like, well, she wrote 1989. That whole album is about Harry Styles. And so right? <laughs> I'm like, says who? <laughs> yeah, like, first of all, if that's true, you know, it's like, I think the really interesting thing about her early career is that it it feels like she was almost forced into doing this thing Mm -hmm. where it was like, we're going to use you as the girl who is, you know, you're the relationship girl. You're the girl that will like literally launch careers. I mean, it felt like she was sort of doing it because she had to, she was being forced to when she was younger. And then it kind of became a thing that she used in her favor in many ways. Um, 
I mean, I, I just think there are certain relationships that you look back on and it's like, there's like Taylor Lautner. Right. Come on. Like, come on. Are you kidding? Right. <laughs> are you kidding me? It's absurd. And I can't believe people still, you know, believe it. But I just think the whole thing is so fascinating. Like, she's just so... And I, I also think it's so, it's like really cool that she, her whole image is that she's like this vulnerable open book and that she writes these songs and like lets people in and they're her diary. But also at the same time, like she's so like self-managed, mm-hmm. like she's so like, she's not a messy celebrity. No. Like, what you know about her is what she wants you to know, you know? Yes. Yes. Cause there's so many people there. Like she's such an open book. I'm like, no, she's not. She just tells us what she wants mm-hmm. and we believe it every time <laughs> yeah because we've been like brainwashed to think that that's like the most extreme vulnerability is like these lyrics in her songs exactly and i think the fact that like folklore is like i think folklore could honestly be the next 10 years for her because now that she's opened people's minds up to the idea that she'll write songs that aren't about her and it did so well and people loved it and it almost like tapped into this whole other thing that she's really good at. Like it's fucking genius. As a, I, I just think that like if you hate Taylor Swift, I, it's like I get it, whatever. Because I used to be that person. <laughs> but if you like pop culture and like you're interested in celebrity, like you have got to give that girl props. It's so cool. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. You know <laughs> that like I am a day one Swifty. I will, like, this guy at work was talking about how much he hated Taylor Swift. And on the, we were on a Zoom call, and finally I was like, that's not a personality trait to, like, not like Taylor Swift. It doesn't make you cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And but it's, like, also, literally, it's, like, so 2016. Like, cool. But also, if you don't like Taylor, like, that's cool. But, <laughs> you know, I do, so please stop talking shit about it to me. <laughs> Get away from me, sir. <laughs> I will fight you. Yeah, I'll lose my job over this conversation. Don't right. do it. <laughs> Speaking of relationships, um, this is kind of going back to Brittany, but what do you think about Sam, her boyfriend right now? Oh, God. I don't know where I fall on Sam. People message me things about him, and they're like, like, I think he's really nice. And, like, I like you know, there was a thing that came out today where Felicia, her, old, her assistant, gave him the stamp of approval or whatever. And I think all of that's great. But, like, I've always read that Sam is an opportunist, that, you know, a lot of the drag race girls, like, knew Sam as, like, a, a West Hollywood gay. Oh. I, that's allegedly, I don't know that for sure. But, like, I think that he's always been in this for his career and for, I mean, like, the situation is so fucking weird. Yeah. And it's like, how can you think that this guy is just, like, here for the love? It's like, this is the weirdest relationship that a person could maybe possibly be in. It is psychotic. Right. It's almost like, how is he not on the payroll? Yeah. I mean, he's dating her management, her dad, her lawyers. He's in this, it's highly scrutinized. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, I just, if this was like maybe, you know, 12 or whatever years ago, maybe, but like the whole thing is just so odd. Like he's dating a girl who can't even leave her home. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I know he put out that statement and I was kind of like, well, he's like capitalizing on that, on, um, framing Britney. And then immediately he was found by TMZ immediately. And somebody mentioned, they were like, well, maybe TMZ has been following him. I'm like, no, 
Yeah, like absurd. I mean, literally, it was and he was so he was so willing to talk. All of a sudden, it was like he was like wanting them to follow him to his car. Like he wanted to be interviewed, and I don't know. I guess you could interpret that for whatever however you want but like i just i don't know i think the whole thing is just very and like you know i i also think for her it's like she has to have somebody to hook up with yeah so like you know i get it it's like she can't like go to you know the bar and meet some guy yeah she can't even go to starbucks right exactly she's got to have some kind of like i guess like human blow-up doll this like hot muscle head guy that like i don't know i just i don't buy it Personally, I don't buy it. There are a lot of really hardcore Britney fans that think that he's, you know, the second coming of Christ, and I just don't agree. That's how I feel about Joe Alwyn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's another good example. Yeah, for sure. So framing Britney Spears, I know we've gone all over the place, but it's so sad to me because I almost feel like watching that was like, they would put something about Whitney like that, and Whitney has passed away. And I almost feel like it had those vibes. And I think that's why, first of all, I was furious at paparazzi. I guess I didn't, I knew paparazzi were bad, but I guess I didn't realize to what extent. Because at that point, I was 15, 16. And I was just kind of like, oh, there goes Britney again. But I'm glad that they did talk about that. Don't remember what I was going to say. Oh, do you think it ended, it does kind of feel like, this is like a last resort type thing. Did you feel that way watching it? Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. It felt like sort of a last resort. Like this is our like a plea for the whole world to understand how bad this is. And like I said, to, like to get everybody kind of on the same page about it. Because, you know, early in the Free Britney movement, it was like people debating on whether or not these fans were crazy. Right, right. And it's, you know, it's like... It's like if something like this was happening to Taylor, like you said, you've been following her since her MySpace days. So if these people have been following this situation and don't have this like, you know, this like short term memory loss about like what happened to her, why not listen to them? Right. You know, so I thought it was really validating for her fans and for the people who are like, no, like this is a fucked up situation. There's no debating on whether or not she wants to be. You know, if she wants a a $1,400 allowance a week or whatever of millions of dollars she's made or, you know, it's like, why are we debating on whether or not this girl wants to be allowed to drive a car? Of course, it's it's fucked up. Like, you know, it's like I, I almost think it like highlighted the absurdity of the situation. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. I agree. So. Let's get into some lighter things. I know we've talked okay. a lot of darkness in Hollywood. Who who are some of your favorite celebrities? Oh man. Or celebrities um, you think are underrated. Shit, I feel I don't know. Uh <laughs> it's weird. It's like all I do all day. <laughs> but like people that I like people that I think should be more famous? Yes. Let's go with that. Yeah, for sure. Cuz my number one's Britney Snow. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Wait, yeah. tell me about that. I just so my thing is I feel like Hayden Panettiere and Britney Snow kind of came up with Lindsay, Vanessa Hudgens, um, Hilary Duff, but they weren't attached to Disney. So Hayden, Hayden was bigger, but Britney Snow could sing, dance, act, but she wasn't on Disney or Nickelodeon. So I felt like she was never really shown the proper respect. Wow, that's a really, really good... I've never even thought about that. Because, yeah, Hayden was not 
a Disney girl. She just did those like teen movies. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I really like her a lot. I think Brittany Snow. I think she's like fucking gorgeous. Yeah, she's so pretty. <laughs> she's so pretty. Um, I've always been a real big. Do you know Juno Temple? Yeah. I've always been a real big Juno Temple fan. I think she's a really, really, really awesome indie actor. And, like, she just always takes on such interesting roles. And I also have a real, like, I have a real affection for girls who love playing, like, manic pixie dream girl characters, you know? (laughs) Like, they, like, play, like, Drew Barrymore in 1994 kind of characters. Like, I love people like that. I wish people gave her more credit or, like, I wish she was a bigger star, I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, other people I would put up there. Because I always go Britney Snow. I'm always like, she deserves so much better. Wow. I gotta, like, I gotta start looking more into Britney Snow. I Like, yeah, people, <laughs> they don't talk about her a lot. No, and they should. Pitch Perfect. Yeah. She carried those movies. Yeah. I actually just re- watched a really interesting TikTok from this girl who worked um, as, like, a... She worked for, like, as, like, a buyer or something for us, like, a store. I like know. A fashion girl. I know what you're talking yeah. about. You tell. You the, tell. Okay. So she, like, basically told this really crazy story about Anna Kendrick and how she, like, was really fucking mean. And, like, <laughs> she's a monster. <laughs> she's, like, I didn't know. And how she got, like, all this fan mail and it was all these, like, journals and these, like, handmade books and things of people being like you changed my life like you stopped me from being depressed and she was like i don't look at that throw that shit away (laughs) and treated this woman terribly who was like trying to pull clothes for her and like wouldn't speak to her and she gave her like a negative 100 out of 10 like i was like whoa like that's so fascinating to me i love shit like that it's so crazy so where i work we used to sponsor a small music lounge with like the local pop station in nashville Okay. And the guys from Five Seconds of Summer showed up, and those fans are crazy. So, you know, a lot of fans, like, won their way in, and during the meet and greet, they were kind of like dicks to their fans, and they threw away all their fan mail. That's crazy to me. And, like, at the end, because we got to stay till the end if we wanted pictures... And the mm-hmm. guys were kind of like, come take pictures with us, like, whatever. And me and my friend Callie, they were like, are you coming to our show tonight? And we were like, no. They were so yeah, mean. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you fucking dicks. <laughs> and like, how dare you even think that you're like, like, you guys are lucky to be famous. Yeah, and during they did like a question and answer with fans. And one of the girls was like, what would you do if you didn't, if you weren't a singer or weren't a musician? And the kid literally said, this is my least favorite question, but I'd probably just be rich because my parents have money. First of all, the fact that they're even like, like the fact that it's not 2006 and that they're <laughs> not just on Vans Warp Tour and you guys are still famous. Like, how are you even, how do kids even like them? I don't know. But ever since then, like bad taste in my mouth, like they were nice to me, but I was like, I saw how you treated 11 year old girls. Oh, that's gross. Yeah. Is that the worst celebrity run-in that you've ever had in person? Um, yeah, I would probably say they were, like, super rude. Probably my Chris Kirkpatrick story, which I've told, like, a bunch on the podcast. Yeah. That one was pretty, like, scarring. Yeah. It's like, got it, though. Yeah. That, that, was, that was very frightening for me, but I don't know if it was bad. 
yeah that's just weird right it's just like oh i had a really weird celebrity moment right like i was sad about it (laughs) (laughs) i will say someone who's super underrated is um lennon stella the singer like she was really nice to her fans and i like her music she was on the show nashville i thought she was great but there was a girl who waited to like the very end of the meet and greet line and she showed Lennon like a tattoo that she had. And she was like, these lyrics really helped me through a tough time. And Lennon asked her, she was like, do you have tickets to my show tonight? And she said no. And then she called her manager over. And she's like, get her two tickets and backstage pass. Nice. Yeah, I love shit like that. Yeah. And whenever I see her, you know, I'll see her around Nashville or even on like Instagram. I'm like, you're a good one. And I know it. Yeah. Like you can just tell immediately that it's like genuine. Yeah. And no one else was in the room other than like, five people so she didn't have to do that you know yeah that story makes me think of a person that i do think should be more famous and isn't um sky ferreira oh yeah sky ferreira is supremely underrated she is literally the reason that we have grimes and halsey and mm-hmm. all of these like tumblr alt girls charlie xcx they all sort of like stem from sky ferreira and the only reason that she's not more famous is because she was a young girl who was, like, super mistreated by her label and just had a lot of really gross men around her making decisions for her and trying to turn her into, like, a weird pop star. And she is, like, she, like, Sky Ferreira, I feel like, invented, like, the the, the Tumblr aesthetic. like I agree. Oh, I that, agree with that. Like, alt girl flannel shirt, you know, Tumblr thing. Like, that's her. And her music is so good. Like, she should be one of the girls, you know? Speaking of mistreated, JoJo. I'm going to throw JoJo on our list. Look at our growing list. I, I love JoJo so much. And I continue to follow JoJo even when... Um, like her label wouldn't let her record, but she came out with random like mixtapes and her Marvin's Room remix came out. I think I was 21 or 22 and I was like, might as well take Adderall and Red Bull and see, see what's up. <laughs> Can I tell you an interesting thing about JoJo because all things revert back to Britney Spears for me? Yes. Britney discovered her. What? So when Britney was a teenager, she tried to start a record label. Okay. Like a record label on her own. And she discovered a, I think JoJo had to be like six or something. Oh my God. And she was singing then. She was one of those kids that was singing like, you know, like hockey games and stuff. Yeah. Like the Star Spangled Banner. And um, yeah, Britney discovered her, tried to sign her and tried to like turn her into a star. But her record label thing didn't work out. And she ended up, you know, going on to, to be signed a few years later. But yeah, if you Google Britney Spears JoJo, you'll see images of how old she was when Britney discovered her. That's crazy. And what else is crazy is like Britney actually has a deeper voice, like a natural when she sings, it's actually way deeper. Of -hmm. course, her producers ruined that. But Jojo has that voice. Yes, they do. Yeah, Jojo has that same kind of like, I love JoJo's voice. Oh, my God. It's so good. I know. I'm always like, you know, if JoJo didn't end up in that bad, um, like, label, there Demi Lovato wouldn't be Demi Lovato. Like, <laughs> Even she admits that. Oh, really? Yeah, she, lo- she always says JoJo's the reason she sings. And you know, JoJo, too, is she, 
her label is the same her like the owner of her label or whatever was the guy who Aaliyah was signed to her Aaliyah's uncle and he's the same person holding Aaliyah's music hostage know who else's music he's holding hostage Ashley Parker Angel from O-Town do you yeah when he had his solo um, his solo career. That's why you can't stream it anywhere. I forgot that he had music that I literally knew. Yeah. <laughs> I went to his Ashley and Ashley tour. It was Ashley Parker Angel and Ashley Simpson. Don't even bring up Ashley Simpson to me. You know, I mean, if there's anybody that I think should be more respected. I agree. I'm, it is fucking Ashley Simpson. Like what? Uh, for oh my god she ties into everything we've talked about this past hour let's round it out with let's round it out with ashley simpson i'd love to treated fucking terribly by the media for what for something that was seriously not even a big deal that people do all the time Mm -hmm. planned on singing over a backing track which people like i mean that is such a common thing and the fact that her entire like artistry and like her you know, the fact that she was like, she was like a young singer-songwriter. She wrote all of those songs. That's true, yeah. You know, and they're really good. And I remember when I did an episode about her, I read this article that, um, it was actually like, a, it was old. It was a really old, like, late MySpace article when they tried to, like, come back. <laughs> when they tried to be a thing again. <laughs> when Justin um, Timberlake bought it. Yes. <laughs> um, but this the guy who produced that album said that, like, even now, artists, her first album, artists will come up to him and be like, I need help trying to recreate that first Ashley Simpson album because I love it so fucking much. Like, Hame, when yeah. they formed, they reached out to that guy and they were like, we want to sound like Ashley Simpson. Like, I just, what happened to her is so gross. And what sucks is she was, obviously, or is, not was, Jessica's little sister. And mm-hmm. that song, Shadow, rips me apart. Because I even felt bad, obviously, like, plastic surgery, you do whatever makes you feel right. But I can remember when I was younger, and she got a nose job, I was like, why are people picking on her because of her nose? Like, why did she feel the need to do that? Of course, now that I'm older, I know she probably wanted to, made her feel better, whatever. Mm -hmm. But being, like, a young girl, I was like, she tried so hard to not be that pop star. Mm -hmm. And she's still trying to, like, conform in a way. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like looking back at it now, it's almost like like she saw what happened to her sister and how unhappy her sister probably was. You know, Jessica was so miserable having to pretend to be Britney. Yeah. And it's actually so badass that Ashley was like, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm not going to fucking put on a crop top and shake my hips. Like, I'm not. And no matter how hard you guys get me to try. And... You know, she, like, wrote an entire album herself that ended up being so good. And I don't know. I just I just think that whole thing was crazy. And like I said earlier, like, I don't think if social media was a thing, she would have gotten on Instagram after the taping of that show and been like, legit, you guys, I'm so sorry. That was crazy. And it would have been nothing. Right. And she would have been able to explain, I have really bad acid reflex. Like, yeah. my vocal cords were fried. And people would be like, oh, my God, it's fine. Totally. She had to wait five days and then call into TRL for two minutes. Right. And then the Ashley Simpson show aired, what, like three months later? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I actually went to her show. It was her and Evan, her husband. 
And I went to the meet and greet before. She is so nice. And it was funny. I I was like, I know what I'm going to say to her. So I walked up to her and I was like, I just want to say thank you for all of your lyrics that gave me incredible AIM away messages. And she, she thought it was the funniest thing. Like she was laughing so hard and I was like, okay, like, okay, that was funny, right? Like that wasn't weird, like in my head. And then Evan was like, what did you say? And I said it to him. He's like, that's really funny. And I was like, oh my God, they think I'm funny. Was she just like glowingly beautiful? Yes. Really small and petite. I mean, I kind of expected that. But mm-hmm. so beautiful. Just like her presence was nice. Right, totally. I get that. Yeah, it's funny. I actually met Jessica Simpson too. I always forget about this one. She did a um, signing at Dillard's. And my friend and I, she, my friend was there because she wanted to buy some stuff. And they were like, if you spend $50, you can meet Jessica Simpson. And we were kind of like, whatever. Like, yeah. So we get in line and then they're like, no more pictures with Jessica. Like the line's too long. So we were kind of annoyed, but we walk yeah. up and like <laughs> Jessica Simpson just looking at us with this smile on her face. And this was before we knew about like her pill addiction and all of that, because there was like nothing. It was actually kind of sad, but, but she asked my name and I was like, oh, it's Kelly with a nine. She goes, I like that spelling. And then she looked at my friend Callie and she was wearing like a Motley Crue um, band tee. And Jessica just goes, one of my favorite bands. Thank you for wearing that. And we were like, what the fuck is happening? Oh my God. That's iconic. I guess I forget that I've met Jessica Simpson. You've met the Simpson girls. Like, yes. I can't even deal with that. I can't, even, I can't deal with that. <laughs> That's too much for me. Well, they're, they're both delights. Of course they are. God damn it. Yeah, I've always wanted... I mean, I can't... I, I, like, go back and forth on which Simpson I love more, but, like, I think I've always been an Ashley gal. Yeah, I agree. I've always liked her better. I, I yeah. have dark hair, so I was like, yeah, I know you dyed it black, but, like, I feel like we're, we belong together. <laughs> yes. And she was just, well, like... Ashley was... I mean, looking back at a lot of the shit that she used to wear now, it's, like, hilarious. But for the time, it was so cool that she was, like... People always compare her to, to Avril. Yeah, yeah. But I always say Avril was like a hot topic girl, but Ashley was a PacSun girl. She was like SoCal. I love that. You know what I mean? And I liked that. I was like, oh, it's cool that she's like, she's got more like, um, like SoCal style, like almost more like Laguna, whereas Avril is like full hot topic. Right. Like Avril, I could not wear her clothes. No. <laughs> no. Now, the last thing I wanted to do, I have a list of celebrities. Okay. And I kind of, you can either give, like, your first thought about them, your opinion, whatever. Like, first thing that kind of comes to your mind. Okay. J.C. (laughs) Chazay. The first thing that comes to my mind is inappropriate. (laughs) Was he, like, one of your first crushes? No, I just think that J.C. Chazay is, um... Okay, I think that J.C. Chazé is somebody who's really interesting to read blind items about. Can agreed, I say that? Agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought you were going to say true lead singer of NSYNC. First of all, true lead singer of NSYNC, <laughs> the better singer, the better dancer. Everybody knows it, and it's why they used him to get famous. And then once they were famous, <laughs> then Justin became the lead. But J.C. is the better performer. Everybody knows all right, how about Usher? Fuck, another person that I think is really interesting to read blind items about. I think that there's a lot of weird 
very, very weird, shady shadiness between Usher and Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. And I think that weird shadiness is between Diddy and Usher, too. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. I think that that weird shadiness was learned from Usher by Diddy, and then Usher, like, kept that cycle going, which is fucked. And, I mean, I think that there's a reason that Justin, like, does not associate with him, you know? Agreed. Um, we already kind of talked about her, but Christina Aguilera. Christina Aguilera, very misunderstood. Um, I wish that people would look at Christina from the perspective of, like, a girl who literally just had no fucking interest in being a pop star. And she, it's actually so badass that she, like, white-knuckled it through and just bucked the entire time. Like, she literally was like a donkey that they couldn't put a fucking uh, a thing on. And she, until they were like, okay, fine. Fine, girl. <laughs> Release whatever the fuck you want, girl. Do whatever. Go ahead. Put on chaps. Like, <laughs> pierce your vagina. Whatever. Enough. Enough. Like, they literally had to give in because she was so adamant on not, you know, being controlled. What's crazy is Christina Aguilera's dirty music video was the first time my mom ever told me to shut off the TV. Really? Yeah. She wouldn't let me watch Real World. I would sneak Real World in, like, fifth grade. But mm-hmm. when Dirty would come on, she'd be like, shut that off. I'm a slave for you. She did not care because she knew I liked Britney. Like, she was right. kind of like, uh, you know, she, Kelly can't dance like that anyway. But when, <laughs> when Dirty came out, she was like, shut that off. I don't want you to watch that. You know, I know it's so funny. People used to always say that Britney was overtly sexual. That was like the media thing that they would say about her. But Christina was the actual definition of overtly sexual. <laughs> for sure. I mean, she was, like, bending over and pulling her skirt up and showing her butthole on MTV. <laughs> That's so true. You know what I mean? Like, literally. Um, my next one is Fred Durst. Oh, my God. You're trying to trigger me. I can tell what you're doing now. This is this is a Diane Sawyer interview all of a sudden. Uh, Troy's going to cry by the end of this. Uh, Fred Durst is a chauvinistic pig, but I also think it's really interesting if you guys are bored and want to Google something that's just, like, so weird. Like, really look up the the actual relationship between Britney and Fred Durst. Yes. And, like, he was, like, not lying about any of it, and because he was a gross piece of shit and Britney was Britney, <laughs> everybody was like, you disgusting fuck! You lying monster sack of shit! And all he said was that they, like, you know, that they, like, hooked up, which they did. And, like, him and Christina had a weird thing, too. Mm-hmm. He loved the pop girls. I mean, what was what was that title? It was, like, Chocolate Starfish and Hot Dog Flavored Water. Yeah. I think about that, like, way more than I should. I think about Limp Biscuit as a whole more often than I should. Probably more than him. For sure. <laughs> All right, next one is Nick Carter. I am trying to trigger you. You are. I fucking feel it. I like it, though. Um, I'm like, I like it. I'm, like, floating off the ground. Um, Nick Carter, monster, evil, uh, psychotic, but also abused. I think I really honestly, in my heart, based on their families, I don't know a lot about um, the... You probably know way more... Yeah, you do know way more than me about the other members' families of the Backstreet Boys, mm-hmm. but I think... Nick was literally, as I said earlier, sold to Luke yeah, Roman, like yeah. given to him as a like gift, basically. So I think 
you know, abuse people, abuse people. And it's not an excuse, but like Nick and Aaron have just had the saddest fucking life. And I will say, I know Nick has a really bad past. And like I said, I'm not trying to make excuses, but he does seem to be doing better now. He seems to be sober Mm -hmm. and actually like taking care of his demons. But obviously Mm -hmm. what he did in the past, he should still have to apologize for. Yeah, he should be held accountable. And I really think, excuse me, it's so gross that, like, you know, when Aaron was going through his stuff publicly, like, people put Nick on some pedestal. Like, he's the good brother. And it's like, please don't get it twisted. Nick is not the good brother. I yeah. Aaron is just the one that acts out more, you know? I think Aaron was way more abused by Lou mm-hmm. Pearlman. Me too. He was so young. He was, like, seven years old, you know? Yeah. All right, J Lo. Oh, J Lo. Um, Wait for okay, my so next J-Lo one. So Wait for the one after J Lo. Go ahead. Oh God. Okay, J Lo's so interesting because she's iconic. It's undeniable. Like so much of what celebrities do, as far as relationships, celebrity nickname couples, like the pop, the way that people use the paparazzi. Being a, a triple threat, being somebody who acts and does music and has a clothing line and a perfume and whatever, it's all because of J-Lo. It literally, she is the first celebrity to do so many things, but her whole entire career hinges on the fact that Tommy Matola hated his ex so bad, <laughs> Mariah Carey, right. that he used Jennifer Lopez as a tool to slow burn drive mariah carey insane and it worked yes and it's disgusting it is i'm sorry i laughed at that i'm sorry i I get it because it's like it's absurd right and the i when people see jennifer lopez be you know humble and sweet about mariah carey and and just try and giggle it away there's a reason it's because mariah carey knows where the fucking bodies are buried and she obviously could say something if she wants to she's chosen not to one day she will. I think she will too. How about Ashanti? <laughs> oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> oh my god. Again, underrated, like deserves her flowers. I love I love Ashanti. She is to thank for so many fucking great songs. She's written so many songs that are incredible. For JLo. And- for J-Lo, and J-Lo is, you know, partially responsible for Ashanti not reaching the level of success that she could have because J-Lo was like a, just like a, I don't even know what you would consider it. She was just like a tornado, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, of destruction because she had Tommy Matola, the most powerful man in the world, obsessed with her. So, love Ashanti. Carson Daly. Carson. <laughs> Carson is interesting because he's so... I, I wonder if Carson would, like, work now. No. Like, you, no, right? It wouldn't work for young people. No. I think, like, when they had um, Damien, Caduce, Hillary Burton, Lala, that would still work. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Carson Daly would not work. Okay. That's, yeah, because he was just so, like... Lame. Like, the reason that he worked is he was, like, nothing. Right. <laughs> right? He was just a blank canvas of just nothing. And he would conform to whatever guest he had. That's, yeah, that's the perfect way to put it. He was an every, I I call him the everyman because he would be like, 
you know, we're talking to Slipknot, and then later we have Willa Ford on the line. Right. <laughs> and, like, he never had any real loyalty to any specific kind of music. It's like, you, d- you never really knew, like, who he really was. That's that's very true. I remember there was a roast. They did a Carson Daly roast on MTV, and Chris Rock was making fun of him because they showed how he acted towards um, Eminem. And then they did, like, an in sync special, and they're all wearing hats sitting by this little train like a Christmas train and Carson Daly just goes Lance do you think we could fit more eggnog on this train and Chris <laughs> and Chris Rock goes even Lance Bass is like what the hell are you talking about like he was so cheesy like when I look back like for New Year's I posted um the year 2000 MTV TRL New Year's special and he was the worst host <laughs> literally ever he couldn't read a cue card to save his life like he was always relying on the celebrity to just like handle it for him you yeah. like jessica so what do you think about tonight or whatever <laughs> it's like what what do you think you're the fucking host you know what I, mean? I think he does good on the voice he's good on the voice now that he's older yeah. he kind of he gets it totally nick lachey nick lachey <laughs> another person who knows where the bodies are buried right? for sure Nick Lachey could write a really interesting book. I know. Um, that is, that's for sure. And it's kind of interesting. So I have like the Laguna Biatch's Facebook page. And mm-hmm. somebody said that he was the equivalent to Justin Timberlake for Jessica. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I would. I guess I, I never say- thought of that because I liked Nick Lachey more than I liked Justin. And then I read that and I was kind of like, what the fuck? Why would you have to ruin it for me? <laughs> You know, I do think that it's really, really interesting, though, to look at their relationship and, like, what it became because, like, as much as he was, like, such an asshole, but looking back, it's, like, it's so, I mean, it was his decision, but it is so weird that, like, their relationship, the first year that they were married, like, literally newlyweds, they barely even really knew each other as, like, a married couple. You know, they hadn't, like, lived together or anything, really, and it was on this crazy reality show where not only do they have cameras following them, but they have cameras that MTV have built into their house. Right. So that they can film them 24 hours a day like it's Big Brother. It's just, it's it's a weird thing to look back on. And then he's watching his wife sort of like become this like caricature, I hate that word, of herself, you know? Because mm-hmm. she's like, it's, it's like hitting and it's working. <laughs> Right. So she's leading into being this dumb idiot, even though she's really fucking smart. Um, the whole thing is just weird. So not the same, but kind of the same. Yeah, totally. All right, so we have two more. Okay. Kristen Cavallari. Oh, I light up when you mention her name. <laughs> my cheeks turn rosy. My stomach starts to tingle. Literally straight crush. Like, would have a happy life with Kristen Cavallari. <laughs> you two would be um, two little bad bitches together. <laughs> I love Kristen Cavallari. I think that she is like, I think Kristen is somebody who, like, at the time, I think it's so like weird that she was painted on the show as a villain of Laguna. Because what about Kristen was villainous aside from the fact that she was just like not extremely insecure? <laughs> right. And I like, always was- say I liked her brand of Mean Girl. Like, she was bitchy, yeah. but not mean. Well, she could be mean, but she was more, like, just kind of bitchy. Like, Summer Roberts vibes, you know, that yeah. kind of... Kind like, of, like... Bitchy in that honest way. Yeah, exactly. And not 
not super cruel. Exactly. She wasn't cruel. And you you can tell she wasn't cruel by her relationship with Jessica. Right, right, right. I mean, she was always trying to build Jessica up to be as confident as she was as a teenager. Like, that was her whole thing, you know? And, like, I don't know. I just, I think she's one of those people that looking back, like, 10 years later, it's like you see her through a totally different light. But I've always really loved her. I always really loved that she played more of like a male role in her chips. That was like so cool to see as a teenager mm-hmm. that like she would let guys chase her and she never really like, you know, she was like, Steven would like be in like manic states because of her. <laughs> and she wouldn't even give a shit, you know? He's like slut. She's like, what about it? I know. She's like, like twisting her hips with her solo cup and her hand on the bar. Like, <laughs> And it's funny that you bring up the Jessica moment because I did not like Kristen when I watched the show way back in the day, except for there was a moment, it was like the Valentine's Day episode where Jason breaks up, or it wasn't Valentine, maybe the following episode, whatever episode it was, Jason breaks up with Jessica and Jessica calls Kristen and Kristen comes right back over. Mm -hmm. And I always, like when that happened, I was like, okay, she might be a bitch, but she's a good friend. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. She was totally a bitch, but like if you were her friend, she was ride or die. And I'm and I'm pretty sure she's still like that, which we love. Yeah, I love that. I still adore her. I just think she's so interesting. My final celebrity for you. Okay. Beyonce. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Let me breathe before everybody turns on me. Um obsessed with Beyonce. I think she's probably the most what like of our generation she's one of the most if not the most talented person to come out of our like you know teenage years or whatever mm-hmm. I think that she is so interesting because she I always say that she's like a 90s celebrity like she doesn't use social media really you know she's so secretive private like she really has a mysteriousness about her that is like old school mm-hmm like, celebrities don't really have that anymore. Like, all of that mystique is, like, gone. But she's, like, a Madonna, Prince, Michael Jackson-era celebrity in a lot of ways. hmm I agree. And I think, you know, and I think she works really hard at it. And, like, I think that's actually really cool. And it's why people worship her. Like, she's a deity on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> because she's so mysterious. Um, but I also think that there's a lot of, like... I think the way people worship her is psychotic. I I think that it's literally like for people to think that Beyonce can never do anything wrong is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And there are times when I'm like, I do I miss when Beyonce used to fucking talk to people. Like I miss when she used to talk. <laughs> I, I miss hearing her just be a human being and and not, it not having to be in a documentary once a year. Yeah. Like, I miss her. Like, she stopped talking to the world and, like, that I guess is, like, a part of her whole brand now but it's, like, for her to be, like, the number one pinnacle, peak, feminist, all of the things, she's, like, pretty silent for the most part on a lot of things. Like, you know she uses her art as a way to communicate like how she feels about stuff and that's amazing but like you look at lady gaga like standing on top of a semi in manhattan holding a gay pride flag and it's like i wish beyonce would like talk to people 
Yeah, I get that. Yeah, that you know, I can. I think that's a. I love her. Yeah, I think that's a really fair thing to say. It's almost like there's something not genuine, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all so crafted and meticulous and perfect. And I mean, like she's such a pageant girl. You know, mm-hmm. it's so perfect all the time. Even like it feels weird to say somebody performs too perfect, but like it's just always so perfect it's like it's just so crafted all the time and i just wish sometimes that she would just like unbutton the top button a little bit you know just like let loose a little like what is your personality like anymore we haven't really seen it in so long yeah for sure and i lied there's one more (laughs) okay all right scooter Braun. scooter yes oh god um I think that somebody one day is going to write a, a hell of a tell-all book about Scooter, right? They have to. He's, ugh. Like, when there are people I just really don't like, he's, right. like, top of my list of, like, the scummy, slimy Hollywood. I think, especially now, he's like Lou mm-hmm. Pearlman. I'm not going to say anything, like, Lou Pearlman obviously did a lot of really disgusting things with young totally. boys, and I have no idea if Scooter did that. I just think yeah. the way he has worked Hollywood is very Lou Pearlman-esque. I totally agree with that. I, I think it's crazy that people even debate on whether or not he is bad. Right. I agree. I mean, what is that? Like, what is there to debate? Like, I mean, even if you, like, you know, I know people have their thoughts about Taylor, but even if you take the Taylor out of it, like, when you look at the way Justin Bieber was, like, given to him in a weird way, and, like, I remember reading about how he made Justin he made Justin's parents sign their rights away to him so that like, if he wanted Justin to work and they didn't, he legally could tell him to, or, you know what I mean? Like, I just think that he's so slimy. Like you said, he's just like a slime ball. For sure. And I always think about how Ariana Grande left him for a little bit and then he blackballed her to make her come back. And one thing about Ariana Grande Um, I'm not a huge fan of her music, even like her personality and stuff, but I feel like she has been pushed really hard. She was a part of a bombing at her concert and that is PTSD just to begin with. And I think it's incredible the Manchester show that she did, but she has said like performing's really hard for her now. And I just feel like Scooter is a manager who pushes his people too far. I think so too. I think that he has no, like, there's no, like, humanity in the way that he manages people. It's just like, they literally are objects to him. Like, they're like chess pieces. Yeah. And I agree with the with the Ariana thing. It's like, in a lot of ways, it's like, she makes me really sad. Because I'm like, I think that she's such a talented artist. And I think the music she makes is just so, like. She could do a like, lot better. Yeah, like, she deserves to be able to make incredible, really, art. she's, like, such an artist, you know? And she makes these, like, meme songs, basically. They're, like, meme songs. Yeah, it's all just, yeah, I agree. And she she's a great songwriter from, like, everything I've mm-hmm. seen. She's incredible. But my issue with him stems all the way back, going back to, like, people who deserve more respect. Tori mm-hmm. Kelly, he manages her. And he has done her so dirty. And I always feel like it's because she's not um, problematic. Yes. And she's so talented. So oh good. My God. 
her voice is insanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's ridiculous. Like, she's so, yeah. Wow, I don't think I even knew that he managed her. Yeah, yeah. So that, my, my, my issue with Scooter goes way back before Taylor yeah. Swift. Yes, yes. He, I mean, I can't even imagine how you feel about him and your spirit. <laughs> my spirit's, like, dark. <laughs> <laughs> your heart for him just beating once for the first time like in a year it's like duh, duh. yeah exactly <laughs> you know how the Grinch like his heart um, grows mine's the opposite when you bring up <laughs> Scooter's name it shrinks yeah, like a prune yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well Troy this has been such a pleasure I love talking pop culture with people who love talking pop culture so thank you so much for coming on. I know I have said where people can find you. You have your Dunzo podcast. Usually Fridays it comes out. Guys, yeah. when I tell you he goes like deep, 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 deep dives, like I do things, I call them shallow jumps. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love like that. I, I don't fully deep dive. I'm like, okay, we're at like six feet. We're at like deep end of a pool. Troy goes yeah. like ocean deep. He gets everything. So where can... <laughs> And exploding deep. Yeah, exactly. And then after you're like, I feel like I need to shower after all this gross Hollywood talk. <laughs> but where can everybody find you on social? Um, let me just start by saying I'm just like, this was like literally so fun. I'm so happy that I like, I'm obsessed with you. I think that you're the best. I love <laughs> this podcast. I, again, I also love talking to people who really love pop culture and you can tell there's so many people who podcast that like think that they like pop culture, but you can tell that they don't. Yeah. And you're like, you just like think you like pop culture because you like music and everybody <laughs> likes music. You know what I mean? But like you really do. And I think that you're so good at what you do. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. Um, You can find my, my podcast is called Dunzo, D-U-N-Z-O. The exclamation point at the end helps if you want to find it on Google. Um, it's on Stitcher and iTunes and everything. Um, you can follow me at Troy McKeady on everything, T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y. And my I mostly use uh, Instagram for my podcast. It's Dunzo Pod. And uh, yeah, and we have a, a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash solid listen. If you want to go real deep back into the archives, like I've done a lot of really, I've done an Ashley Simpson show review, the whole show. Nick and Jeff, they're newlyweds, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic. It's a four-year archive, so. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And everyone, I asked Troy to do this like last night or two nights ago. So <laughs> I appreciate you coming on so last minute. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to do it. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely.